For 17 years, it has been a cornerstone of the WWE. A one-of-a-kind event. Unchanged, yet unpredictable. It has delivered some of the most memorable moments in wrestling history. And so tonight, the legacy continues. to episode number 63 of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Patrick, as we enter Raw 25, heading into the Royal Rumble, what do you bring to us from the world of professional wrestling? Alberto El Patron says he's made peace with WWE. Uh, I kind of find that to be a little bit BS, but you never know. Well, I think... For the immediate future, the door is closed uh, for him. I mean, they made nice with him when he left the first time. And right. I, he's made a lot of trouble, though, this time around that he's left. So, Well, yeah. Yeah, they, they certainly don't want the liability of him at the moment. But down the road, yeah, sure, maybe. You know, they, they've given second and third chances to greater offenders. I mean, yeah. Jeff Hardy, you know, with the meth lab or, you know, whatever he had, you know, all the issues that Matt Hardy, or all the issues that Jeff and Matt Hardy have, and they're on the roster, you know, yeah. and, and how many times, can't think of another person they've given multiple, I mean, Austin walked out on the company several times, I mean, but he's Stone Cold Steve Austin, this is Alberto Del Rio, I mean, there's only some people like a Jeff Jarrett that, you know, the bridge is permanently burnt and right now it seems like uh hulk hogan is that way too where it's the door is closed well man hogan that new picture he's looking jacked he is ready for one more match he's wanting one more wrestlemania he's looking ripped he is i mean he is fired up yeah he posted a picture on his facebook which i think is sort of doctored you don't but that's fine uh, well, I know the background is doctored because it's it's a picture of like a WWE arena, like from. See, I was looking at that, but if you look across the top part, it looks like it was maybe like kind of like the Kids Choice Awards or something like that. It could have oh, been like a backdrop or maybe yeah. a green screen um, effect. Yeah, but, yeah, he's looking uh, jacked. But I mean, from all the money he won from Gawker and from all his money that he's made throughout his career with his his beat shop, his beat shop. 
The guy can sit around and work out all the time. He doesn't have anything else to do. Yeah, he doesn't. So, he doesn't stay on the road twenty four seven like we do. Yeah, yeah exactly. He uh, he has time to uh, work out and do whatever he feels. He's also looking very tan. He's uh, still got that uh, nice tanning bed glow to him. He looks very orange. Yes, he's almost almost the um- mixture of yellow and red. Almost Oompa Loompa. When he says he has yellow and red running through his veins, he really does, I think. So I haven't seen it, although I've heard others who have that say it's flat out hilarious. There is a show out called Lip Sync Battle. I believe it was airing on, it was airing on Spike TV, which changed its name to the Paramount Network over the last couple of weeks. Originally, it was a segment on Jimmy Fallon's show, and so he's the executive producer on this show. And uh, so they get guests to do lip sync versions of songs against one another and it's accompanied with you know big dance numbers and routines and stuff i believe i believe the rock has been on it and i think he did beyonce or something i i believe that happened i, I might you've heard speaking of the rock you've heard of you know yeah, the, uh, sorry it was uh i'm, I'm thinking of channing tatum sorry uh, not the rock oh, okay speaking of the rock though you've you've heard of the movie moana yeah the animated film okay. he was in Triple H was on there and performed a song from Moana and just rocked it out. On Lip Sync Battle. On Lip Sync Battle. I have not seen it. I have heard it is hilarious. Just flat out hilarious. So, Okay, he actually he was on the Jimmy Fallon show. They've been doing a lot of press on NBC Universal is owned by Comcast. And Comcast also owns USA Network, where Raw is. So in an effort to promote the Royal Rumble coming up... Uh, Jimmy Fallon still does lip sync battles on his show, so Triple H was on his show with Stephanie, of course. You know, she can't be left behind. No. And uh, this morning, we're recording on a Sunday, John Cena was on the Sunday Today show promoting the Royal Rumble. So it looks like New Day's there, too. Yeah, so it was New Day versus Triple H and Stephanie, which, them being the heels, I assume they lose the match. Oh, they get Motown Philly, New Day does, which is a boys to men song. Wow. So we just uh, we just looked it up. And no, we just watched the lip sync battle. I yes. might include a clip of it here. Well, I can't include a clip of it because it's just music. I mean, that's yeah. the real songs. I actually think New Day won the battle. I yeah, mean, I got to go with New Day on that. Stephanie was doing good until she passed the mic off to uh, Triple H, and then it just went downhill from there. Motown Philly, uh, New Day. I would That would be my vote. Yes, so Stephanie and Triple H ended up winning. Naturally, I think this was rigged. This was a, no. this was a work, no. just like wrestling. Yeah. No, wrestling's not rigged. Oh, okay. The boss. The boss and the boss is, well... The bo- yeah, Vince is no longer the boss. The boss and her husband won the match. Yes. Uh, Laurel Van Ness uh, has decided, or what it was decided, that she is no longer needed on Impact. Yeah, she had walked out after they gave her the belt. She uh, didn't. She didn't last very long. Um, she made her her show her debut and showed up and. You know, I just, I don't know. She's got an open mind to go into WWE, though. And I've seen her in ring work. And well, you, she's very talented. I feel like she has. Do you remember her from Tough Enough in I 2014? Do, I do not. Okay. So she was on Tough Enough. That's where she started. So, well, yeah, I, she would like to go. I to feel the like WWE. she could she could go to the WWE. Speaking of another impact wrestler, 
Uh, easy three. EC three. Well, yeah. E easy EC Southern Twang. Um, he has spent a few days at the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. Says that the uh, workouts are going good. He's enjoyed it. Could this be? Could we see Mr. EC3? Well, it would be a re- Mr. Eric Carter. It's Ethan Carter. Oh, is it Ethan? I thought Ethan it was Eric. Carter. Well, this would be a return to the company for him because he was part of that, I believe, the third, second or third season of NXT. He was Daniel Bryan's apprentice on oh, that really? show under his WWE name, which I will have to look up. It's It was fourth season of NXT. He was Derek Bateman in NXT. Okay. I didn't think they would use that name, but they did. But I did read earlier that he retained the rights to the name Ethan Carter III, so he can take it with him. If they want to somehow, I don't know if they'll explain the origins of that name and be like... Well, they discuss Impact, or at least they did for Kurt Angle's... Oh, right. She was on that special. Dixie was. So so I feel like they've, they've earned those rights for the TNA side of it before it just went to straight impact they bought those rights from well he bought them he owns them his signing is not official what is official that three new signings uh ricochet candace loray who is the wife of johnny gargano and war machine are all heading to nxt Uh, war machine being a tag team from ring of honor and japan big guys they kind of i mean they are giants i mean they're they're fat guys. I mean, they're not, you know, obese guys, but they're they're big guys. And then, of course, Ricochet being a cruiserweight who has worked all in all over the world in many many different promotions, and is the boyfriend of Tessa Blanchard. That's her boyfriend. So, oh, okay. Uh, she he he's the one I'm most concerned about working out on the main roster is Ricochet because of his size. I don't think. They will utilize him if they stick him in the cruiserweight division. It's, I think he, he's going to get kind of just shuffled to the side like everybody else. He's going to want to leave. So yeah, uh, we'll see what happens. I think War Machine probably has the biggest potential to last because I mean they could always use more tag teams. Uh, yeah, they need more tag teams, bad. Especially tag teams that they don't have intentions of breaking up within the first. You know, like, I mean, American Alpha was on the main roster, what, like three months before they said, I'll break them up, you know? Yeah. You're now Kurt Angle. You're Kurt Angle's son, and you're teaming with Shelton Benjamin, and that was the end of it. Which is stupid. I would r- much rather had Shelton Benjamin as a singles wrestler. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned that last week, yeah. but So, yeah, some new signings. Um, exciting. Uh, exciting to have them in the company. Uh, I'm not really familiar with their work. I'm not going to act like I am, but uh, they... Candice LeRae was in the Mae Young Classics. I did see one of her matches. Anytime they get new people, it's exciting. So, Personally, I'd like to see the uh, the Briscoes from Ring of Honor. No, together. too much baggage, man. Really? They don't want they don't want those guys. They had an opportunity one at one point to go to the company. There's still potential for them to one day come over, but I don't think the company wants to sign I don't think the company wants to sign these guys. I don't think they know what to do with them though. That's the thing. I don't think they want to be associated with some of the things that they've said in the past in regards to gay people wearing the rebel flag and stuff like that. When you have a when they the WWE wants to portray a very you know yeah. 
certain image. And right. Jay Briscoe one time on Twitter said he would fucking shoot anyone that tries to teach his kids that there's nothing wrong with same-sex marriage. Now, that's his opinion, but you cannot expect to get signed by a company like WWE saying things like that. Right. No matter what your political stance is or, you know, beliefs are, you cannot say stuff like that. See, I've never, I don't follow them on social media. Uh, no, I don't either. Like I, this is stuff I didn't that, know any of that has been said. I strictly just like their in-ring work, and I find them to be very entertaining. Oh, they're outstanding. I mean, they've lasted a very, very long time. I mean, they are originals in yeah. Ring of Honor. I mean, yeah. to have had world championship runs, each of them. No, they're very talented workers, but, you know, the redneck characters they portray, even if they were signed, they would... I mean, we've seen redneck characters in the past uh, portrayed in the company and you know hillbilly jim with uh what were those guys the slop drop oh, guys? The, hog one, uh, the godwins the godwins i mean not when they were like even when they were villainous here even when they were villains they were still like cartoon characters you well, it's know? like when they had them later on with uh jeff jarrett southern justice as southern justice and you still couldn't get that image out of your head that they were the godwins Right, you can't just throw a suit on those guys and just yeah. make it all go away. Right. But I don't think I think the Briscoes enjoy doing what they're doing. I mean, they've done it so long. I mean, they're only 33 years old and I feel like they've been res- I mean, they have been wrestling since yeah. the early 2000s. Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, that's nuts. So, um the charges in regards to uh last year's um So yeah, like right before WrestleMania, uh car accident. Yes. Jim Ross, his wife, was on her Vespa scooter, and she was traveling in their hometown on a street, and a car hit her from behind and threw her off her Vespa. Jan Ross was her name. She ended up having some uh, some brain trauma from this accident, which... Well, she was not wearing a helmet, which, which is very bad. Which in uh, turn then, unfortunately, took her life. Did not survive the hospital stay. It has uh, has come out just within the past few days that um, charges have been dropped in regards to the driver that uh, right. This was a seventeen-year-old. Yes, this was a seventeen-year-old driving a two thousand uh, Mercury Grand Marquis. It happened March twentieth, so just a few weeks before WrestleMania. Right. It was nine thirty p.m., so it was nighttime. Uh, both vehicles. She fell off the scooter, and then both vehicles came to a stop and caught fire. And so this past week, so on January 18th, on Thursday, the charges were dismissed against this juvenile. And Jim Ross took to Twitter to state how upset he was. Quote, this morning, Norman Judge Stephen Stice felt compelled to dismiss vehicular homicide charges against a 17-year-old and my wife Jan's death. The state objected to no avail. The driver never even lost his driver's license. Bad world in which we live, folks. And then the local news stations tried to reach out to him, and he refused to comment beyond that. The juvenile's attorney, Kevin Finley, said he believes justice was served. I can't comment much, but what I can say is this juvenile case wasn't dismissed because of anything nefarious and improper. No disrespect to Mr. Ross, but I don't believe he was correctly informed what occurred by the district attorney's office. I didn't believe it was fair to couch it as though the judge had done something improper because this would have been the proper result for any juvenile case at this stage. Now, I do feel bad for 
Jim Ross, me personally. I mean, that's a terrible thing to lose your wife. But also, it's not as if this 17-year-old hopped in his car that night. I mean, he wasn't apparently from this I mean, I haven't read anything where he was drinking or high on anything. He, he yeah, didn't. I don't know the sir. I can't. Yeah, I don't have a copy of like the police report of the accident. I didn't. So I, I don't know if he ran a stop sign or just didn't see her or what happened. But you know, to be fair, you know, I have to see it like because uh, and thousands and thousands of people responded back to Jim Ross saying, "Oh yeah, you're right. You know, the justice system is broken and all this stuff." At the same time, you're talking about a 17 year old. Like I imagine me at 17 accidentally hitting someone and killing them, it would affect me deeply the rest of my life. Right. Because I know that I wasn't doing anything wrong. I just made a mistake. Right. And at the same time, that mistake shouldn't then haunt me, you know, legally keep me from getting a job. I mean, a vehicular homicide charge is probably a felony or a high-class misdemeanor and is going to haunt you for the rest of your life when you when you try to apply even to college yeah. college or jobs or anything else so at the same time you know you have to i mean that's the whole weight of the you know weights and balances of the judicial system it's like had he had he been like i said i do not know but had he been high or drinking or music blaring and he was or texting had he been distracted in any way, shape, form, or fashion, then he needs to be held accountable. That's correct. Yeah, but if he uh, if it wasn't and it was just one of those freak things, then unfortunately, uh, it it is what it is. I hate that it ha- you know I hate that it ended this way. Well, and I hate to say it too, but she if I mean I'm sure they had doctors and you know medical reports testify that. Perhaps wearing a helmet could have saved her life. Right. And if you're getting into that area where maybe it wasn't even a high-speed crash. So it wasn't on the interstate. I mean, a Vespa can't get on the interstate. But she was heading home back from the gym. It was near her house, so it was probably on a side street, I imagine. And she sustained multiple skull fractures. So, yeah, I think wearing a helmet could have played a, played a role, but... From what Dave Meltzer reported, everyone says that the the kid was referred to as a good person by his peers and that he would be feeling a lot of guilt for his actions. So nothing can bring Jan Ross back. So there's no way of making this right for Jim. No matter what they... I I understand even when he mentioned brought up the driver's license thing, but like, what if this kid has to work to feed his family? You know, what if his mom... You know, I don't know the circumstances, but... What if he has a hardship and he needs to get to work? You know, public transport probably in Norman, Oklahoma or wherever, whichever part of Oklahoma they live in probably isn't, you know, you can't just hop on the subway or the bus and get to work. So I just don't under, I just don't know what to do. I just don't know the remedy to make, to make Jim feel like justice was served in this case. Like, I just don't, I just don't know that there's a way to make this right for Jim that I'm sorry. I just don't. So I sympathize with them, but I also see the yeah. other side of it. I can see the other side. Of it. I uh, I completely sympathize with him. Like I said, we I don't I have not seen any police records. I do not know any details of the accident, so I can't give you a. Neither one of us can give you a a realistic answer or opinion on what we feel should have happened. I, I still just feel bad for for Jim Jim Ross not being able to comfortably feel like something was done properly about the situation yeah i feel terrible for him but at the same time it's like 
we're also only hearing one side of the story because Jim Ross is a public figure. Correct. And this juvenile, you know, laws about juveniles, you, you don't even know the guy's name. So you're only hearing one side of it. It's somebody that is beloved by wrestling fans. So, of course, we're going to naturally say, oh, well, you know, naturally we're going to side with our hero, you know, our greatest announcer of all time. We're going to take him up on his side. But at the same time, you know, I don't know the other side of the story. It's not fair to comment on a legal proceeding that we're not even... We're not privy to. Well, yeah, we weren't at the courtroom and we don't... Yeah, so it's just not it's not fair to to cast judgment on this poor 17-year-old or you know or to cast, you know, we weren't there. We weren't there the night it happened. So, and we'll never know. So, I feel bad for Jim, but in situations like this, I just don't think there's any nothing was going to appease him. Even if they even if they threw the book at this kid. Yeah. What would what joy would that really bring Jim at the end of the day? Right. So, I hate it for him. I really do too. But and I, uh, especially for a guy that's been fired multiple times from the company, who has he, suffered through uh, Bell's palsy, uh, health issues. Yeah, uh, his mother passing away, uh, him missing and causing a Bell's palsy outbreak. That he missed that Mick, Mick Foley title win. Yeah. That he was largely instrumental in getting Mick in the company. Which so just uh, you know, I really do feel for the guy. So. Yeah, it's um, unfortunately it's. Some people just don't seem to have any luck. We're going to turn from that to a happier note. The, okay. Uh, the update, the new uh, release for the new download for WWE 2K18 has come out. Yes, I think I got it. I think I'm up to date. Are you up to date? Yeah, I got the Hardies. Yeah. You got the Hardies. You got Broken Matt. But you don't care about and them. I know who, no, who's no. in the DLC. I don't, I don't you... care about them as much. What I care about is Beth Phoenix. No, I'm, yeah, I'm kidding. Of course. No, what I care about is none other than Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, the Rock and Roll Express. Ladies and gentlemen, they have finally made it into a WWE game. This is ecstatic on on so many levels for me. Well, except now you have to go download the Midnight Express so you have Ex- someone for them to wrestle. Here's the deal. If you have in next year's 2K8, 2K19, you put the Midnight Express with Jim Cornette and the Rock and Roll Express in there, and you legitimately put in the Freebirds and the Von Erics, all four and all three, I would be 100% ecstatic. It would be the perfect wrestling game. Even missing even missing Arn Anderson, it would be close enough to perfect for me. Wow, that's a uh, high praise. I still am confused as to why Terry Gordy was not included with the Freebirds and I don't know what's holding that up. Like I just it's so stupid. Yeah. It's so and I hate that like in 2K17 when they showed like the Hall of Fame package on the Freebirds, he's cut out of it right because he's not in the game so like, yeah but then they have the announcer saying oh they're other member you know like they put some commentary in like alluding to like this other guy that's not in the game but i was happy for this dlc though yeah i wanted the hardies in there so i got them even though they're last year there was a great dlc uh there was community creations i mean of these guys yeah they were pretty close i mean they weren't accurate and the announcers called them like Jeff Harvey, you know, it was Mike Adamley or whatever doing the, I mean, the intros because you can't find some of the last names you need. Right. Is that the last character pack for this game or is there one more? I think there's one more. 
that might be the last one. I just got to say, though, as soon as I downloaded it, I played as the Rock and Roll Express against the Freebirds. I went and got the Midnight Express in the community. I did got you community now? creations did of you them now? and a Jim Cornette community creation, which they you know they don't have a tennis racket in the game, yeah. so he's incomplete. Uh, but I, I went and got them, so yeah, that way in the future I could play against them. Um, but uh, but I just got to say, me playing as the Rock and Roll Express, I got my ass kicked so bad. By the Freebirds. Well, did you allow them to have a manager? I noticed that playing with against a team that has a manager, as we spin off into video game talk here, I've noticed that when you play against a team that has a manager or a wrestler that has a manager, things are a lot fucking harder <laughs> because the game will take over. And, it will. And so you might have a guy covered, and the ref will be distracted by the manager, and you can't even walk over and knock the manager down. He will get down on his own, or she will get down on her own, and you can't knock her down. You can go outside and knock her, da- knock him down if you're a guy. You can't hit the females, but uh, you can go do that if you want to later on. But then, you know, they'll throw a chair in the ring. They'll uh, they'll break up a pinfall attempt, yeah. and they'll, they eventually get ejected. But up until they do, you're really fucked, especially like I was wrestling Lesnar a lot with Heyman. Yeah. First of all, Lesnar is super powerful anyway, so he kicks out of finishers. But then when you finally hit him with the 14th finisher, Heyman will break it up. So I just noticed, and so if you played against the Freebirds with their third member... I did not. Okay, so you I didn't strictly, have like Jimmy was, Jam out no, there. No, it was... Okay. I strictly did... Uh, did well, No, I had actually... I had It was the WCW Freebirds. It oh, okay. Was, Jimmy Jam and Michael Hayes. Yes, and uh, against the Rock and Roll Express. And, yeah, man, just two on two, and they kicked my ass. Well, that's kind of disappointing. They kicked my ass. I I ended up winning. Oh, okay. I ended up winning. I got the uh, the double. Well, I just rematch until I win. I got the double drop kick on them, finally. But, I mean, we went. It was a 30-minute classic. Instant so, classic. Instant classic. They were hanging from the rafters. The uh, you do have woken. You can't say broken. You do have woken Matt Hardy. Though. Well, he does a throat slash. You know, he does the delete chance. Yeah, but he doesn't do anything else. You know, so, associated with the character. It is nice to have him. It is back. It's nice to have the Hardys back. And now, and now next year's Hall of Fame class. Like since Goldberg's the headliner, he's already in the game. So you'll just bring the Dudley Boys back. You're just now bringing people back that are gone for one year. Whatever. Kid Rock will be in the game as a playable character. I would be okay with it. Oh, no, what I really want is to see none other than the real world's champion, David Arquette. Well, he does need to be in the celebrity wing of the Hall of Fame. It's ridiculous. And I think Andy Kaufman does, too. Well, if they could get... Uh, there's a documentary about the making of Man on the Moon called Jim and Andy. If I they have could, watched that. It yeah, is... If they could get Jim Carrey to show up, I'm sure they would do it, but he is not going to show up as he has, uh, I think, lost his mind. But there's uh, some very good scenes with uh, Jerry Lawler complaining about how he's treated by Jim Carrey and, yeah. and being like, yeah, I used to work with Andy Kaufman. He was not an asshole to me. Like, yeah. So it was uh, pretty interesting. I think that I thought it was funny. Though those scenes of that documentary were funny to me because Jim so wanted to channel Andy, but was getting it so wrong to this to yeah. a guy that interacted with him. He didn't understand the behind the scenes of the locker rooms and wrestling, and so he was portraying 
what he saw. Yeah, he was being Andy Kaufman on camera in those Memphis wrestling segments. 24-7. Yeah, behind the scenes. Behind throwing the, shit throw, at him. Throwing water trashing on Trashing his wife. You know, yeah. Trashing Miss Kitty. Yeah. yeah. I mean, walking up and trying to slap him. It was... Calling and, wrestling bullshit and just... There was know. a point in time where where King grabbed him and I really thought he was going to hit him. I really... He was very upset. He yeah. Was, he King, was finally like, knock it off. Yeah. Knock it off. Yeah. In the hallway, yeah. But no, that is a great documentary. It's very uh, it's interesting. A, it is. It it's is. way better than the actual movie, Man on the Moon, in my opinion. Oh, like see, it. I love the movie. But well, the movie's uh, fine, but it's it's this is the real movie. It shows yeah. Because it's Bob Zamuda and uh Andy's uh wife were the ones filming the whole thing with Jim Carrey, so it's yeah. like it's I really love the scene when Tony Clifton shows up to the Playboy Mansion and they invi- invited Jim Carrey and, he, and they said, well, Jim can't show up. He's going to show up as Tony Clifton. And so Bob Zamuda goes as Tony Clifton and everyone thinks it's just Jim Carrey and a ton of makeup. And, yeah. and the people are like, oh, wow, Jim Carrey's an amazing actor. Then Jim Carrey shows up to the Playboy Mansion and now Hef looks like an idiot and they kick Bob Zamuda as uh, Tony Clifton out of the whole yeah. thing. They're like, we need your camera too. Like it was, I love that scene. That was like my favorite part of the movie, I think, but. Very entertaining. It was very And the well stuff done. with Jim Carrey in present day talking about it, uh, towards the end when he gets really weird, that's entertaining to watch as well. And he's like, See, I what lo- determines fate? Am I going to, what told me to pick up this glass of tea and drink it? What's telling me to do that? And like, just crazy. I love Jim Carrey, but yeah, he's, he's really, he's getting out there. I like it. But the movie, I love the movie. The documentary, like you said, is hilarious because he's sitting there, like he's these fans are not fans. The uh, these, these directors are coming up to him and they're like, "Oh, he drove that director insane." He's like, you know, Jim, I really need you. Who's Jim? Yeah, Jim's not here. I'm not Jim. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, I'm Andy, and he's uh, like, so then the director actually has to start calling him Andy. Oh, or when he tried to, he, he calls him. He calls him on the phone and pleads with him one night. He's like, please, I can no longer take any Andy or Tony Clifton, please. And Jim, as Andy on the phone, tells him, like, well, I can get Jim to do a good impression if that's what you want. And the director's like, no, I will stay with Andy and Tony. <laughs> like, it's he drove this, he drove the crew insane. Well, yeah, as, as uh, Tony Clifton, he was going around. Obnoxious. The, yeah, he was going around the... Uh, the set throwing um throwing like yeah the original wine bottles and yeah the shit original out there. cast of taxi was like what the fuck like yeah. he was really and he was delaying the shooting because he's keeping everybody's waiting he's showing up drunk he's it was yeah nuts yeah it would have i'm sure to some people they were like wow this guy is really in character and i'm sure to a lot more people they were like wow this guy's jim carrey's a real asshole and this is yeah. just Oh, this Him made this made Jim Carrey look like a dick. It a lot really... of times, I well, there was some like um, he talks about interacting with like Andy Kaufman's actual daughter that never met him. I thought that was a really nice thing to do. To yeah, try to, and and interacting with Andy's family and trying to, you know, like Andy's sister or somebody like he talked to, and like those parts were really nice. Until I saw this documentary, I didn't realize how behind the scenes crazy it actually was that Jim Carrey, man, he just, he was, 
invested to the point. Oh, he believed to the point that he that was. He, uh, yeah, like his body was overtook by the spirit of Andy Kaufman. Yeah, he describes going to the beach and turning in, basically turning in, morphing into Andy Kaufman. Yeah, in his. It's. In, in I his mean, mind. it's it's crazy. But uh, sorry, we spun off onto many other directions in the news. At this point in time, but I know uh, maybe we needed a uh, timer to tick down, and then maybe a loud buzzer would go off, and we'd move on to the next thing. The Royal Rumble, t- you know, countdown clock—it's the real star of the is. show. That buzzer sound effect has—they've gotten their money's worth out of it, which it probably costs them nothing, but they've definitely gotten their money's worth out of it. It's coming up the 2018 version of it, including the first ever female, all-female Royal Rumble is happening. Thirty woman. Royal Rumble. is happening next Sunday, a week from when we're taping this. So uh, with that in mind, I made my selection for this week, Royal Rumble 2005. Oh, while we're in news, do we need to pick our who? – who is our picks for, for Rumble? Well, I already know your picks, some of them. But some of the undercard matches we can go through, sure. Okay. Well, very quickly here. Very, very quickly. The Usos take on Gable and Benjamin for the SmackDown belts. Gable, Benjamin. Uh, Usos retain. Oh, not with the arrest, maybe. Uh, it's a two out of three falls match. It's Benjamin, man. Benjamin's gonna shine during. This I do match. think they need a. They're gonna flip. They're gonna flip one belt on this show. I think this is probably it. I, I'm gonna change my vote. Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin, American Alpha 2.0, will be your SmackDown champs. Seth Rollins and Jason Jordan, who is injured but will probably still be on the card. It wasn't. Didn't sound like a bad injury, so this match is still on as of this recording. They will take on... They are the Raw Tag Team Champs. They won it on a episode of Raw. They are taking on The Bar, Cesaro and Sheamus. The Bar, Cesaro, and Sheamus. Who do you have on the Raw Tag Team Championship? The Bar loses. See, I think I am raising The Bar. I think that they will recapture the belts See, as... You raised it, I lowered it, so we're going to see. AJ Styles will take on Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn in a handicap match for the WWE title. So I love this storyline because it has gotten so weird and out there, but uh, AJ, I really feel like AJ. Yeah, I don't. I think Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn will. I think you're going to have some Shane interference and he'll save AJ's belt. So I think you're going to have KO and Shane at WrestleMania this year again. Well, that was AJ last year. Well, I mean, again, Hell in a Cell, again, is what I mean. But it's not going to be Hell in a Cell, I'm sure. Oh, and they're not going to do the Hell in a Cell match. No, it'll be some other crazy gimmick match. So I think AJ retains. Then we have the Universal title match. Brock Lesnar taking on Braun Strowman and future mayor of Knox County, possibly, Glenn Jacobs as Kane in a triple threat match for the Universal title. I think Strowman. I think Lesnar retains here as well. You really think they're going to make it a title match at Mania? Him and Roman? Yes. Absolutely. 100%. Oh, God. Sorry. I They could still flip it here and get it back to him before Mania, but I just don't see that happening. I don't see the point in giving Braun a month-long title. You can only win the your first title once, right? Oh, I agree. So don't burn it here. And right. you can, definitely can't give Kane the belt. I mean, come on. What world are we living in? You know, well, I'd this, love to see Kane win it, but... <laughs> That is absurd. And he needs a good long title run, not a not a 24-hour one. Uh, well, exactly. Maybe in, <laughs> in honor of his career, his last match could be losing the world title again in 24 hours. See? Just like his only other world title. Well, 
He's had another title. If the two titles, the first one, the, the real very, one, the yeah. very first one, he only held for twenty four hours. So then we have the twenty eighteen women's Royal Rumble match, and I will go with Oscar to win this. Ronda Rousey. She's not in the match. She's Ronda Rousey. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. And then, of course, the big one. The 2018 Men's Royal Rumble match. 30 men for a world championship shot at WrestleMania 34. Since I think they're doing Roman Reigns and Lesnar at Mania. If you say Roman, dude. No, I don't think they can go back there this quickly. I mean, he just won it like two years ago. Yeah. Or three years ago. Yeah, it can't. That's why I really think it's not going to be... I really think he's not leaving as champion this year this show but uh. i really think a smackdown person will win and i will go with shinsuke nakamura to give you the purest wrestling fans aj and nakamura at wrestlemania because i think that's what they want and even though mania is not known for giving you dream matchups or matchups that have happened in new japan pro wrestling already although it's a hell of a matchup right i just i think that's the direction they go it makes people won't be furious that roman reigns wins again this he can still become the number one contender you know next month yeah because they've actually gotten people with the shield reunion they've gotten people cheering for this guy at the moment and to if he was to win the rumble if he was to win the rumble on sunday I think that would flip immediately. Oh, yeah. And they would lose what they have built is this. They've gotten him applause. Small minute. Yeah, they've finally gotten him past, you know, the meter has turned slightly to the applause sign. And so I think you give it to another SmackDown guy this year just to be safe. So since apparently they can't flip brands. If if they're going to change the rules and where you can flip brands like they did in 2005 – or, you know, years after that where you yeah. could choose which one you wanted. I mean, they could always give it to another Raw guy, but I don't see that happening because you don't want your Raw guy. I don't think you want your Raw guy jumping ship, you know, to say, oh, I can't beat Brock. You know, I don't want Finn Balor to win and then say, yeah, I think I'll go to SmackDown and take on AJ. Well, see, that's my pick. I was going to say Balor wins it. We've already seen that match, though. Well, I'm not saying you're going to see the match. I'm just saying Balor wins the Royal oh, Rumble. Really? And, yeah. and headlines mania against Lesnar. Yeah, I don't. I don't see with his. He, they just reunited him with uh, Gallows and Anderson. That's so what I'm saying. I don't think you're going to see. You're going to see a club reunion in regards to it's going to Gallows and Anderson are going to help Balor win the Rumble, and they're also going to help AJ Walkout Champion. I think you're more likely to see the Balor Club paired against like the Miz Taraj. I hate to say it, but I think that would be to take on another three man team. Yeah. I see him in a throwaway six man tag at really? Mania. They just haven't been high on this guy since he's come back. I don't know what it was. You since know? his ankle injury. Yeah, as soon as they called him up, he immediately got a win over Roman Reigns clean on Raw. Yeah. Like the very next night. And becomes the first universal champion. But got injured. Broke his ankle. No, shoulder. Oh, it was his shoulder? Remember, he got buckle Oh, that's bombs right. That's when he got, yeah. Against the barrier. He messed up his ankle in NXT. Right. That was when we watched him at that house show. He actually yeah. got the injury That's right. There. He broke his ankle. That's where, he, yeah. Well, he got his injury there. He In Nashville. He came back shortly. It wasn't a, it wasn't a multi-month thing, but yeah. Right. So now they, for whatever reason, they just don't want that matchup. That's my pick, though. I really think... You're going to be shocked. I think Balor wins the, the Royal Rumble. 
Well, I think a lot of people would be happy with that, and I think a lot of people would be happy with Nakamura. I think there's... You have a lot of... And who knows? I don't know if they're going to do, like, in the 2005 Royal Rumble or if it's going to be like other years where if you're in another match, you don't come into the Rumble. Or if they're going to... Like, is Seth Rollins going to be eligible? Or, or Kevin, Kevin Owens. Right. Sneaks back in there and wins the damn thing. And, like, I'm getting my title shot again kind of thing. Right. Yeah, I don't... Well, man... Kevin Owens and AJ had a terrible feud last year. It went nowhere. I don't really want to see that match again. It had the terrible ending at Battleground. Yeah. I don't. I'm done with that. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't care to see that anymore. But yeah. So there's a lot of woke and Matt Hardy. Now that would be if they're going to launch him. Well, of course that match isn't on the card yet. But Matt versus Bray on Royal Rumble. I mean, but I'm just saying if they're going to launch him. He he wins the Rumble. That right there. Brother Nero helps him win the the Rumble. That, oh. Well, God. he's still out. He's not going to yeah, be. Yeah, Jeff's not going to be there. But I'm just saying, if if they could pull something along those lines. I don't see him winning because. I, I don't. I don't see him winning simply because I don't think they're doing the thing where you can pick to switch brands. And he will not be paired with Brock Lesnar. No. <laughs> it's, as fun as that would be in my mind to try to work out you know i just don't they're not going to do that so my pick this week the 2005 royal rumble so we head back all the way back 13 years ago january 30th 2005 in fresno california at the save mart center which had just opened in front of 12,000 people sponsored by playstation 2 and featuring the theme song find the real by alter bridge which was dubbed out on the network, so you got a generic. And the tagline, all the rumbling minus the dancing and singing, which I don't understand that reference. I don't know, but they really took the 2005 to heart because we only had five matches. Well, see, that's where you're wrong, Patrick, because we missed the dark match of Rhino and Maven. Oh, please tell me. I'm sorry, it was on Sunday Night Heat. We missed the Sunday Night Heat match, which is not on the network, so we couldn't go back and easily watch this. Maven defeated Rhino in seven minutes and one second for the sixth match overall. So Maven beat was, Rhino. Well, Rhino was on his way out, I believe. Yeah. He... Still, that's hard to buy. He got fired, I think, the night either before or after WrestleMania for, like, breaking some shit in a hotel. They brought him back... Okay, so the night of WrestleMania 21, Rhino was released from his contract along with Matt Hardy due to a public argument with his wife that took place at an after party. And, oh, yeah, he did come back for One Night Stand and lost to Sabu at One Night Stand 2005. But that was it. And then he was off to TNA for many years until he was welcomed back. So his, his run was almost over. Yeah. We begin the pay-per-view with a countdown clock, of course, and a recap of the cornerstone of the WWE, the Royal Rumble. Unchanged yet unpredictable. The legacy continues. Cole and Taz will have the SmackDown call. JR and Lawler have the Raw call. Carlos Cabrero and Hugo Savinovich are here for the Spanish-speaking audience. Edge's music hits. They've dubbed over it because he was coming out to that Rob Zombie theme. Never Gonna Stop Me. Do you remember Edge using that one? I do. So they've dubbed over with his Rated R Superstar 
era theme. On this day, I see clearly, or whatever it's called. I really enjoyed the uh, the Rob Zombie theme. I thought that was a a good I, a good thing, a good entrance song for him. I, I think it it's a, a good song. I don't think it's a good entrance song. See, I thought it was a good fit for Edge. I thought that really worked well for him. And who's jerking the curtain tonight? Of course, the greatest in ring performer of all time, Shawn Michaels. First match, of course, because you yeah, send those jobbers out there first. That's what I always say. Here's the thing, though. Can the rest of the card live up to this first match? Right. This is a very big... uh, I mean, this is a good first match. (laughs) It is. We'll get into it but after, but... Well, they both had to go first because they were going to be back in the Rumble later on that evening. Correct. I did not know that. You know, at the time, I did not watch this live, so I this is, I believe, the first time I've watched the entire card. I've seen the Rumble part before, I think, right. but it's been a long, long time. Oh, yeah, the Rumble is hilarious. HBK wore his chaps tonight, but thankful they are removable, so he took his chaps off before he wrestled. JR calls Shawn Michaels a first ballot Hall of Famer. I said, too bad they never release voting totals, so you never know when, he, when someone's eligible, you know. They could have made him eligible while he's still wrestling. I don't understand why they don't do that more often. When people are still wrestling for the company, why not put them in? Then you can say, well, you're the champ, but I'm the Hall of Famer, and here I am to take you on or whatever. They never. They always wait until you're done. Well, they're going to want that for like a comeback. Right, okay. They're gonna the 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 Hall of Famers got one more last run in him. He's going for the, he's going after that belt. So you don't know technically we don't know if he was a first ballot Hall of Famer, even though he went in, you know, as soon as he retired, basically. Oh, he but, was a first ballot Hall of Famer. He was going But we don't know when the ballot opens. Technically wasn't I mean, he had already been in the company very long at this point. I mean, he could have been inducted. No one can go in the Hall of Fame and still be wrestling other than Ric Flair. But he didn't. He did. He, w- he Well, he was wrestling. He got inducted while he was a member of the Four Horsemen as But he got inducted. TNA. He got inducted. Oh, and wrestled the next night. And wrestled the next night. Oh, right. Well, he did it. But for well, that's for one night, though. I mean, I, I want just like, I'm a Hall of Famer, and I wrestle another t- 20 years. So you're wanting to see King have a, uh, have a title run? I would love to see King have a title run, actually. Did he wrestle after being in the Hall? No. No. Yes. Hold on. Yes. Yes, he did. Okay. So WrestleMania they did. 27. We saw he it. He was already in the Hall of Fame then? He was. He went in in 20... 2007. And the, yeah, WrestleMania 27 was in 2011. So yeah, okay. So they have done it with one guy. Well, he wrestled Michael Cole, so it wasn't much of a match, but still. Well, I mean, the night he had the heart attack, he was in a regular tag team match. So he did do some other matches. Just for the hell of it, too. I always thought that was weird that some nights he would just jump in there just for the hell of it. Just stay loose. Because he's king and he can do it. There's it's good to be the king. It's very good to be the king. Edge tries to get the jump on Sean before he can remove his entrance gear. See, those chaps almost cost him big here. They did. But Edge ends up getting dumped over the ropes and Sean skins the cat to big applause and then removes his gear. Sean opens up with some chops, which was the theme of the night, was Knife Edge Chops. If I had to pick a MVP of the night. Oh, we got a lot to talk about chops later on. This has been a feud, as we mentioned, we reviewed when this feud started. Since October. It is now January. Yes. And by the way, this is the blow-off match. You would think that it's not, as it ends with a fuck finish, sort of. You know, with a... Oh, it ends with a fuck finish, yeah. It ends with a stupid finish, spoiler. 
Anyway, so this is the blow-off match with a indecisive finish. So anyway, Sean does the Thez press and right hands to Edge, which he does not do these as well as Stone Cold Steve Austin does, by the way. Sean strikes, uh, those strikes, those Thez press, these strikes do not look good. Sorry, Sean. Sean misses a baseball slide to Edge, and then Edge hits the Edge-O-Matic to Sean on the floor, which is that thing where he grabs you by your head and throws you neck first to the floor. Then a baseball slide from Edge connects with Sean. Both men have slots in the Rumble later tonight. They get back into the ring, and after another brief chop battle, Edge hits the sit-out powerbomb to Sean. Oh, well, he's kind of... I think you should tell people not to use that with uh, the way we're going with the company right now. No sit-out powerbombs, guys. But he hits one to Sean. Then he puts Sean in a chin lock with body scissors. Edge has some blood on his arm, but I can't tell whether it came from Sean's mouth or came from Edge's arm. This chin lock, Edge decides to lock on for ages. A very long time. Yes. Sean eventually works to his feet and elbows out of the chin lock, but Edge throws Sean back down by his neck and then does the Shawn Michaels pose, which when you look at a wrestler like Edge or Chris Jericho, you can tell that Shawn Michaels was their hero, and they want to do that pose with their hero in the ring. So here we go. Edge does the HBK Shawn Michaels signature pose. Long hair. You know, these guys, they're all clones. Like, sorry. I mean, they all just want to be Shawn Michaels. Who doesn't? Edge whips Sean to the ropes, but Sean throws Edge to the apron. Sean throws Edge to the apron, but Edge grabs Sean and rakes his neck against the ropes. Edge misses a top rope move, and HBK tries an Oklahoma roll, gets a two count, but Edge decks Sean with a big straight kick to the head for a two count. Edge tries a back suplex, but Sean counters in midair and gets a two count. Edge goes back to the chin lock on Sean. Oh boy. Sean fires up. Hits Edge with a knee lift, a pair of inverted atomic drops, and then more chops. Followed by corner punches, but Edge counters them with an Alabama slam, which Sean sort of no-sells by just rolling through it and then trying to pin Edge. Edge is then catapulted to the post, and he decides, fuck it, I'll just leave. So this is the second pay-per-view in a row where we've seen Edge just say, you know what? My car's running. Even though I've got a spot in the Rumble, I think I'll just leave. Just grab my bags. I'm going home. Sean, though, says, no way, pal, chases him down, brings him back to ringside. Mike Kyoto grabs Sean and fusses about him, leaving the ring, and distracts him long enough for Edge to hit a spear. Mike Kyoto heel turn here, guys. Edge hits a spear to Sean on the outside of the ring. Michaels beats the 10 count, though, getting into the ring at 9. Edge, though, starts tuning up his own band. How dare you? Oh. Spear to Shawn Michaels, but Shawn kicks out at two, to Edge's dismay. In fact, he is so dismayed, he pulls his own hair out of his head. He does. Edge puts Shawn on the top turnbuckle. Shawn chops him down and hits his big elbow off the top rope. He hits it, but just like RVD hits his frog splash, he hurt himself in the process. Makes no kayfabe logic sense that I do a move that hurts me. Anyway. Because it hurts the opponent even worse. In theory, but you still... You need to readjust your moveset to say, you know what? This keeps hurting me. I'm going to try something different that only hurts you. After kipping up from this, he hops to his feet. He tunes up the band. The crowd go mental for the mere tuning of the band for the sweet chin music. But Edge counters the super kick into an electric chair drop, and Sean kicks it too. Edge tries his modified sharpshooter on Sean in the center of the ring, which looks odd to me. I don't know about this. 
modified. You don't really. You don't this like it. This kind of clover leaf sharpshooter thing. Nah, I don't really like it that much. The egg. I think it's called the uh, Education. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm sure it probably is. It's like the excellence of ed, ed, uh, excellence. Education yes. of execution. It's education. It's a. Uh, it's a. I really like it actually. It's very. It's a unique move. Sean gets the bottom rope to break the sharpshooter, the sharpshooter, the education shooter, whatever it's called. Edge tries it again, but this time, Edge tries it again, but this time gets inside cradled for a two count. Sean tries an O'Connor roll, but Edge rolls into another one, which puts him into the ropes, so he grabs him with leverage. One, two, three. He gets the win over Shawn Michaels in a very, like, that's it? That's what we get? That's what you get. A feud simmering since October. This is the big end. An O'Connor roll and holding the ropes. That's what you get. So I thought the match was actually outside of that long chin lock, and I didn't really like the sharpshooter that much. Outside of that, I thought this match was fine and was building up and building up. Yeah. And I needed the big finish, you know, but I didn't get it. And so for that, for the finish, it kills the match for me. Uh, It was a a fine match, a great opener. Yeah. I mean, anytime you get Shawn Michaels as your first match, you're going to get a good match probably. The chances are good. Right. Uh, but this ending just makes no sense. I mean, this was a guy that left an arena, drove all around it, came back just to spear him at Taboo Tuesday to fuck him out of the title. And now tonight he's just satisfied rolling him up and saying, okay, that's fine. I this just, is my vengeance. I, I wasn't a big fan of this match. And I, the match is good. I like the match, except for... When you went to the home spot, I wish we could have gotten something than something a lot better than just a damn O'Connor roll into a holding the ropes, pull his tights, grab him by the hair and hold him down. Something. Well, as a referee, it's hard to believe that Mike Kyoto missed this because they were basically in the ropes. Just this an O'Connor roll into holding the into the holding onto the rope was. Uh, I don't know. It was a big letdown for me. Uh, And it never has a conclusion. I mean, there's not like a match next month. Next month is a SmackDown show, so... This is a blow-off match, but yet you see him go right back at it later on tonight in the Rumble, so... (laughs) Right, but then you see the the beginning of a new feud with Sean, so he's already moved on. Yeah. Eric Bischoff and Teddy Long, holla holla, are backstage... And, and I love any time Bischoff is in a room, there's a giant picture of Bischoff on the wall. I just love that. Well, Attention to detail. Eric Bischoff loves the way he looks, man. He does. And he's got this gray... Uh, he's rocking the gray the gray buzzed hair now. And he's got a goatee now. Yeah. He is looking like... Um, oh, Burt Reynolds. He's looking like Burt Reynolds is what uh, I believe Eddie Guerrero calls him when he walks into the room. He's got that Burt Reynolds look going on. So we see the two GMs of Raw and SmackDown, and uh, they are next to the giant ball spinner, which is patrolled by Tori and Maria Canellis. So we have this uh, the the new the new mother of five. No, Mar- that's the other one, Maria. No, Mar- oh no, you're right. Maria is still pregnant. Sorry, correct. She has not Maria is still pregnant. Correct. Even though she'll be at Raw 25, she is. Okay, <laughs> just baby and all. Yeah. Maybe she'll give birth on... They can redeem the birth of the hand with an actual birth. <laughs> they might. So Ric Flair 
and Eddie Guerrero come in to get their numbers. Eddie, Tori and Maria spin the ball tumbler, and Flair gets a number. We don't get to see it, and he starts partying with the gals. Oh, yeah. Woo! He is psyched about this number. Now, remember, he won from number, was it number three? He was number three yeah. when he won the Rumble in 92. So number shouldn't be that important to him because he's already proven that he's the man. Well, yeah, hey, that was also 92, not freaking 2005. Age does kind of start kicking your ass after a little while. Not Ric Flair. Don't you ever say that about <laughs> Ric Flair. Eddie, on the other hand, just looks at his number and says, congrats, and hugs Ric Flair. And as he does it, you can see him pickpocket Ric Flair and swap it with his own. So Flair then is proud of his number, pulls it back out of his pockets to show the GMs and the girls, and they say, you're proud of that number? And Flair looks at it, and he's like, Guerrero! Guerrero! You see, the Royal Rumble is a sizzle-fizzle, and it's going to be tonight, just like it's been for the past two years. A SmackDown superstar will be the winner. Believe that. I beg the difference. I'm confident that a Raw superstar is going to win the Rumble, but in the off chance that I'm wrong, it really doesn't matter. SmackDown guy wins, he's going to do just like Chris Benoit did last year and jump on over the Raw. Well, we'll see about that, player. Christy, Tori, baby girls, y'all ready to roll? Ready. All right, let's get this thing started. Gentlemen, come on in. Ric Flair, Eddie Guerrero, come All right. on in. Hey, Woo! Oh, Viva what's Russia. Up? First two of the evening. How are you, man? Gentlemen. Tori, by God, Wilson, hello. Gentlemen, throughout the evening, all the participants in the room are going to be coming in here and drawing their number at random. You were the first two. Let's get it going. All right. I know you do great. <laughs> Kick butt. Thank you, man. Thank you very much, Mr. Bischoff. Very long. <laughs> Styling and profiling. What number did you get? Oh, okay. Let's see. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's my old number. <laughs> you sure you're happy about that number, player? Yeah, I know I'm happy about it. I think you better take a look, dog. I'll be looking at my own number. Take a look. Guerrero. Guerrero! Guerrero! Guerrero stole my number! Guerrero! And runs out of the room to go track his number down. Yes. So there you go. There's our storyline of the, the night. Heidenreich is backstage, and you know, he hates caskets. You know what? It wasn't his fault either. 
this was a very awkward interaction <laughs> between two performers that I didn't know what was about to happen, but it certainly wasn't going to be teaming up to fight The Undertaker or fighting one another. In fact, I thought they were going to make love to one another. My girlfriend was sitting beside me as I was watching this on my television, and she looked up and during this segment and was like, What's about to happen here? <laughs> uh, this was very strange. Most of Heidenreich's backstage segments were... John, I like you. Yes, Heidenreich is very insecure, and he needs reassurance all yes. the time. And so his new best friend that he's never met, Snitsky, walks in, just in this dark room. He yes. managed to find him, talking about how much he hated caskets. I hate caskets, too. Snitsky says, I know, I don't like them either, but I do like you, John. And Heidenreich says, I like you too, Snitsky. And Snitsky says, I've got an idea. And then Heidenreich just breathes heavily. Yes. Caskets. Caskets. I hate caskets. Caskets. I hear you don't like caskets. Like? I don't like caskets. I hate them! I know. I know you hate caskets. I don't like them either. But I do like you, John. John, but I have an idea. You do? Okay. That sounds good. I wonder if the- and then we get a promo recapping Heidenreich's poem about The Undertaker and how he has cost The Undertaker the belt the last two times The Undertaker had shots at JBL. So, Taker, as much as I believe Taker and JBL are good friends, and I guess even Taker would not job cleanly to JBL. JBL, the one of my least favorite champions of all time, I guess Taker would not do the job for John cleanly. So Heidenreich had been fucking him over the past few months. Not actually fucking him, which I'm convinced they wanted this character to try to make us think. Heidenreich really hates caskets. As I'd say, most people aren't really fond of them. It's not something we're into. I guess if you're a goth, if you like... For Triple H, you're all for it. <laughs> yeah, you love that shit. Now, has Taker ever lost a casket match? Here's a streak they've never talked about. Has he ever lost a casket match? Yeah. Yes. You can't count Undertaker versus Undertaker. Yes, he lost a casket match. Who did he lose it to? Zuna? Oh, yeah, that was the one where he was reborn yeah. and flew to the ceiling. And he also lost... Uh, Kane set him on fire. Yeah. One. So he has lost this match. I feel stupid for asking now because I remember at least one of those losses. So The Druids bring out the casket, not that big traditional fake wooden one. No, this is a real casket. Cole and Taz suggest that their raw counterparts, JR and King, should go into caskets. 
They suggest that their raw counterparts should be dead. That is not very nice, guys. That's a that's brand loyalty to a whole new level. Yeah, not even during Nitro and Raw did Eric Bischoff or okay, wait. did Tony Eric, Schiavone say, "I would like to see you dead." I was going to say because Eric wished death upon Vince. So well, probably, but he never said it out loud on the show. I'm pretty sure he did. He did not say, "I want Vince McMahon dead." He didn't put a bounty on Vince McMahon. I think that's. I don't think you can actually even do that. You can do it within your own company, I guess. You can allude to it, but you can't just outright. Anyway, I'm getting <laughs> off topic. Heidenreich is out first to no reaction. Then, Heiden, Heidenreich. Great theme song, yeah. <laughs> just repeat your name over and over again. Got it, got, yeah, got it good. Done. Jim Johnston phoning it in for old Heidenreich's theme song here. <laughs> Then the gong hits, the lights go out, and Undertaker slowly walks to the ring. The dry ice machines are in overtime as they are in full force here. He got all the smoke and mirrors in the world here. I fast-forwarded through his walk. He, Charles Robinson and Jimmy Corderas are in charge of opening and closing the casket. Nick Patrick will be in the ring for us for this match. Taker rolls his eyes into the back of his head as he removes his hat, which almost caused me to laugh out loud because... I've just seen it so much, and he did it for a really long time. <laughs> and I was listening to this other podcast this week where they were talking about Undertaker doing this, and uh, someone said he never did it. He never tried it himself, rolling his eyes in the back of his head, because he heard if you got hit while you did it, your eyes would be stuck there they forever. <laughs> I don't think that's true, Patrick. Your eyes can get stuck in that direction. Oh, geez. Yeah. My mother warned me of that at so a very you've never, young age. you've never done the taker eye roll. When I tried to do the, uh, the taker eye roll, my mother, I was very young. I was a very young Patrick Young, very young referee. My mother goes... Your eyes are going to get stuck that way. You know that, right? Taker side headlocks Heidenreich and wants him to see the casket. He's very scared of his casket. He hip tosses and arm drags Heidenreich, which the announcers are shocked to see an arm drag from Undertaker. Taker arm bars Heidenreich and drags him to the casket again. Taz jokes when Cole ends up in a casket, it'll make a lot of people happy. <laughs> which, sadly, there's some probably some truth to that statement. I hate to say it. <laughs> Undertaker single crabs Heidenreich and he crawls towards the casket to get the break with the ropes, which this was done on purpose by the Undertaker, so he'd have to crawl towards the casket. He gets to the casket and gets the break and then wants to leave. He wants to make an edge escape here and just walk away. Taker goes after him, but then gets thrown hip first into the casket. Ouch. This guy got... This is why he just had hip replacement surgery. Heinrich throws Taker's face into the casket lid a couple of times. It, it leaves a hell of a dent in that casket. Well, the biggest dent would come later. Heinrich throws some light strikes to Taker in the corner. He is He's shitting his pants thinking he might ac- accidentally hurt Undertaker with punches. So his punches are just so light, yeah. he does not want to get anywhere fucking close to this guy. Yeah. Because <laughs> he knows that this guy will knock his head off. And so after he does his shitty punches to Undertaker, he yells, This is my world! Taker tries a triangle choke in the corner before he revolutionized it with Hell's Gate and gets it. But then they roll to the ground. Snitsky then decides to show up in the middle of this match. Why are you here? Which gets Kane chance immediately, so the crowd already knows what's next. 
Snitsky and Heidenreich double suplex taker. Snitsky is all taped up and bruised, I guess, from a, a cane attack. The casket pops open, and Kane was in it all along. Kane and, sits up. And now it's basically a tornado tag casket match, I guess. Kane punches Snitsky right out of the ring and right over the guardrail, and they are gone. Kane has eliminated Snitsky for his brother. Thanks, man. And gets no props for it. None whatsoever. Heidenreich pushes the casket up the ramp. This guy was so scared of the casket, and now he can gently push it up the ramp. I don't know what his goal here was. It was very slow. He would touch it and push it. Oh, yeah. Touch it and push it. Because it burn his hands, probably. He he didn't want to hold it too long. It was very... He did hilariously check it before he started pushing it to make sure there's not another wrestler in there. Taker walks up to Mr. Heidenreich and stops him. Then Taker gets thrown knee first into the steps. That's why this guy's legs are bad. Heidenreich removes the padding to the floor, exposing the concrete. This is where he checks the casket for more guests and then rolls the casket like a bowling ball into Undertaker, who was laying near the apron. Taker, though, luckily missed most of the impact by hiding under the ring. We didn't get to see that part so much, but... Oh, he's dazed from this. So much that his eyes are rolled back into the back of his head. It's true. They got stuck back there, They Patrick. got stuck that way. <laughs> and so Heidenreich applies an MMA-style choke, it's called. Heidenreich rolls Taker into the casket, but Taker gets his arm out to stop it. Taker, in the spot of the match, hits his signature leg drop on the apron to Heidenreich, who he had stretched halfway into the casket, halfway into the ring. And this is what causes the biggest dent to the lid of the uh, the casket here is when Undertaker's leg hits it mm-hmm. and uh, sm- smushes Heidenreich into the casket. He wants a choke slam, but Heidenreich headbutts out of it. Heidenreich hits a boss man sort of slam to Taker and tries to pin him. He's forgotten how this match works three-fourths of the way into the match. After realizing, oh, I can't pin you, he rolls Taker towards the casket. Taker wakes up, of course. DDT's Heidenreich off a rope rebound. Heidenreich botches the selling of the DDT. Then Taker does a choke slam. He makes the choke slam look bad by not jumping for it, so he just sort of falls backwards. Yeah. I can tell Undertaker's not happy. He tombstones Heidenreich, rolls him to the edge of the ring, and then kicks him a couple times so that Heidenreich can safely roll himself into the casket. Taker wins a casket match. What a surprise. But he has lost some. So He has. He wasn't going to lose this one. Not to this fucking jobber. I, I love The Undertaker. I really do. I love John Heidenreich. This match was shit. <laughs> I don't understand why they would call this guy... Heidenreich, but then Bill him from New Orleans, Louisiana, because it sounds like a German name. Right. Not to imply what you would think they would do with a German character, but uh, man, this guy had a great look. Yeah. But it takes a lot more than that to be a great wrestler. Well, see, and then they turned around shortly after this and pinned him with uh, Road Warrior Animal. <laughs> oh, geez. Oh, right. They paired him with a. Right after uh, Hawk passed away. Yeah, they pinned him up with them. They paired him up with him, and so uh, they were the new Road Warriors. The new, new, new Road Warriors. They were not LOD 2000. No, no they were L- LOD 2005 or six. Yeah, something like that. So. Yeah, so, and then he was gone. He was gone. And that was it. That was, yeah. Undertaker gets to do his, you know, ramp pose. 
And Kang gets no thanks for his help as he battled away Snitsky. Thanks a lot, brother. Later. By the way, Taker not interested in the Royal Rumble match. Despite two attempts at the world title in the last two pay-per-views, eh, I'll just skip the Rumble. Yeah, no, I, I did my work for the night. Give me my paycheck. I'm going home. <laughs> yeah. He took Edge's car that was waiting w- for winner's him. Winner's purse. Yeah. Taker's like, oh, I don't want that fucking belt. I've had that fucking thing. Fuck that. Evolution and Teddy Long want Eddie's number, which he stole from Flair. Teddy says, I know Eddie stole your number. And here you go, Rick. He gets the wallet that Eddie stole from Flair as well. So Rick Flair, this man, did not notice that his wallet was missing only his precious Royal Rumble ball. His wallet, he didn't care about. I guess he's got so much money, he doesn't care if his wallet Well, if you're a man, your balls are pretty precious, so, you know. Good point. And Flair gets his number and wallet back, so I'd have to say they were pretty successful here they in their were. appeal. Usually they just say, tough shit, you know. Yeah, Teddy Long's can be rolled over. I, I agree with the petition to oust him that Carlito tried to tried to start here. I mean, this guy will just roll over for you. Batista says with Triple H, Batista says, hey man, I'm going to go get my Rumble number. And uh, Triple H is like, not before we not before we talk about how we beat Orton. And Batista's like, no, it'll only take like five seconds. And he's like, no, you are not going to go get your number right now. This first. And that's about it. Batista uh, seemingly agrees. It's Evolution's night. I'm going to show everybody. It's our night. I'm on my way to Bischoff's office to get my number. No, no, no. We gotta go over this stuff with Orton right now. We need to talk about that. Right no, 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 Champ's got a plan. Champ's got a plan. I'm gonna get my number. I'll be right back. Champ's got a plan. Hey, I said we need to go over this stuff with Orton. And you I can said get your number later. I'm gonna go get my number, and I'll come right back. Now. Whoa, 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 whoa! Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on! Come on! Evolution, evolution! It's about you beat Norton. It's about winning the Royal Rumble. One for all, all for one, man. Come on, lighten up. Ooh, deep breath. Come on. Deep He's breath. right. Come on, champ. It's Come evolution. on, man. It's evolution. Come on. Unity. Together. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, it's all right. We got business. Yeah. All right. It's all right. So we cut away to Christian. Captain Charisma is with Bischoff and Tyson Tomko. And Christian wants to draw his number. But uh-oh. It's Chain Gang John Cena. It's basic thugonomics John Cena shows up and manages to charm everybody with his good looks and rapping skills. He's wearing his Ruck Fools shirt. Get it? The R and the F are changed. You get it? They're swapped. And his chain lock necklace, yeah. Christian tells John, hey man, I can beat you at freestyle rap. Tomco, give me a beat, which gets a good laugh. Christian delivers a diss track. Oh, yeah, I love that, because Tomko's like, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah, Christian delivers a diss track for his peeps, but Cena is much better at diss tracks and gives him a really good diss track back, which I'll include it here. <laughs> yes! Champ is yes. here! Heck, T-Long, what up, playing? Holla. Yo, Burt Reynolds, love doing Boogie Nights, dog. How you doing? You want to go out for sausage later on or something? <laughs> oh, yo, how you doing? Hi. Dr. Monsignor. Christy. Johnson. Whoa, whoa, hold on a second. Hold on a second, oh. everybody. John Cena in the house. Everybody take notice. Oh, come on, man. No, 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 no. I've seen you rapping before, Cena. You know something? It doesn't impress me. Not one bit. This whole freestyle rapping thing. It's not even that hard. You got an album. <laughs> Whatever. 
I could do that. I could, in fact, I could beat you at a rap competition any day of the week. Any day. All right, homie, show me some street cred. Show me what you got. That's cool. Right now? You said you can freestyle. Hit, hit a little something. Do, do what you gotta do. Tomko, give me a beat. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, forget it. It goes a little something like this. My name is Christian, the king of crunk. I'm taking you to school, Cena, and you're gonna flunk. <laughs> I'm Captain Charisma. I'm... I'm Captain Charisma. Read him and weeps. I'm gonna throw you out for all my peeps. And just like, just like Dracula comes from Transylvania, I'm winning the Rumble and going on to WrestleMania. What do you think of that, baby boy? Huh? Come on, beat that. Captain Charisma, walking around with your fake smile. Think you can rap just because you watched Eighth Mile? Word on the street is your peeps are weak. And you and Blackbeard share a bed when you sleep. Yo, this is Chain Gang. We run the showdown. Tonight's like your sex life. Your ass is gonna go down. I go to the ring when my name is called. You can pick my number. You like playing with balls. But he does allow Christian to pick his number because he likes playing with balls. So, thank you. Maybe he meant balls Mahoney. The triple threat WWE Championship match is next. Kurt Angle, JBL, and The Big Show. Oh, if you gotta go take a piss, this is the match to it. See, I thought that, but I actually enjoyed this match. Oh, okay. I hated this match. I hated this fucking match. Kurt Angle is selling injuries from a last man standing match on SmackDown versus JBL. I guess Big Show didn't have to work that night. Big Show is out next. I mentioned here I love hearing Tony Chimmel back as an announcer. I miss him dearly. The champ JBL is out last in his limo with horns, which you could not see because they were on the hood of his car. And they would block the driver's view of the road. This is very dangerous stuff. Don't drive around with giant longhorns. On the hood of your car. See, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put a set on the uh, on my truck. What do you think? You think that maybe would... put them on the like towards the grill, like pointing forward, yeah. not so much up in your line of vision. Or I could just put them on the very top. Yeah, that would. There you go. But then they look like devil horns, you know? Yeah, that's true. Look kind of like a monster that's truck. True. Well, I guess it kind of looked like a monster truck either way. But yeah. So JBL. Is out. He's selling the effects. He took eight German suplexes from Kurt Angle on SmackDown. Jeez. What what this guy would do to keep this belt and keep his run going. Agreeing to that. Eight German suplexes from Angle on SmackDown. JBL has had a seven-month title reign. A very dark period in wrestling history, in my opinion, is JBL. Next to Jinder Mahal. JBL makes... I'm not going to say they're on the same level because JBL is a far better heel and a far better wrestler than Jinder Mahal currently is, but it's my equivalent. They're basically the same kind of champion. I don't know. He was the longest reigning SmackDown's champion of all time. You, you want to know why that happened? Okay, Paul Heyman, because Triple H didn't want to work Tuesdays. Exactly. The bell rings, despite Angle being outside the ring. Patrick Young, referee, you made a big oh, error yeah. there. We can't, we can't. Do not start the match until all the participants are in the ring. Angle, wisely, more wrestlers should do this, decides, I'll just stand out here while you two wrestle. So, Big Show catches JBL off the second rope, 
slams him and leg drops him, covers him, but Angle finally hops in to break it up. So now all three are involved. Big Show chop to Angle puts him down. JBL tries to suplex Big Show. You're not going to do that, pal. Big Show suplexes him instead. A big boot to Kurt Angle from Big Show. And Big Show clotheslines them both over the top rope, and Big Show is rolling early here, guys. Big Show grabs the steps and moves them towards the announce desk. He cleans off the SmackDown table. He wants to choke slam JBL onto the table. But instead, Angle monitor shots Big Show, who just then back bumps into the table. So now he is out. He gets to nap for a little while. The big man is in hibernation. The giant is in his cave. Angle can now focus on JBL. They get in the ring. Angle ducks a big boot and tries a key lock, but JBL quickly gets out of it. Suplex City comes to visit JBLs. He eats two Germans after missing a clothesline from hell. The Olympic Slam is countered into a big boot for two. Big Show finally wakes up, headbutts, and clotheslines both JBL and Angle. He slams Angle onto JBL, then double splashes them and double clotheslines them. Big Show actually gets the crowd behind him when he's rolling. I don't know where these people came from. Every Big Show fan in the world was in attendance tonight. German number three to JBL from Angle, who covers him, but Show throws Angle off. Olympic slam to the Big Show, which was quite impressive. JBL boots Angle out of the ring. Cover Show gets a two count. Clothesline from Hell is caught by a choke slam, but JBL somehow gets a foot on the ropes. And gets a rope break in this no DQ match where we saw a man go through a table. Yes. So gets the rope break somehow. Show does the barricade spot back when it wasn't so overused. Now we see this all the time. It's in the video games. He hits a shoulder tackle through the barricade on JBL. Gets a holy shit chant going. Angle goes and grabs a chair. Gets in the ring. And he kneels in the corner like he used to do before matches. And this hides his chair. So Big Show comes into the ring and gets hit in the chest with the chair but then of course slams angle and the chair is gone jbl's cabinet this totally escaped my memory him having a posse jbl's cabinet comes out and beats down big show orlando jordan hello where have you been lately mr jordan he comes out he rolls jbl into the ring jbl somehow in his unconscious okay, state. Okay, okay. Let me call this down to the to the wire here, because in this weird unconscious state, <laughs> he instinctively he out of nowhere takes one step and throws a clothesline from hell. Now, first of all, a clothesline from hell, you need to go and hit the ropes and you know get some force behind. Get it. some force behind. It. So there's no fucking way I'm believing this shit. All right, let's just go ahead and start that right now. Yeah. And pins Kurt Angle. While the cabinet had Big Show distracted. Yes. One, two, three. I was shocked that Angle took the pinfall because I was like, Big Show is in this match to get pinned. Oh, yeah. I was shocked, too. And I was shocked that a one-stepped clothesline... (laughs) Just won the match. Just won the match. Over an Olympic gold medalist. We're not talking about a pick-up steam, hit the ropes, you know... Runaway train clothesline. We're talking about a one fucking step clothesline. I would not have bought this for any amount of money. You didn't like the finish. I so hated, this is like the first match. I bad hated it. It's not just the the 
Oh yeah, it's I mean, it goes on. I hated the whole damn match. I did not really? like this. I did not what like this. What was it match. about you didn't like? It just it was too much of a cluster, man. It was too much of a cluster. I didn't like you'd have one having to go and do something or play it off to give a spot for the other two, and they didn't do enough three man spots for me. Right. Yeah. And well, and when they did, it was Big Show in charge. It wasn't yeah. like. But Angle wouldn't team up with JBL. It had nothing to do with with Angle. I really, I'm putting all the blame on JBL for this match because I don't like JBL either. But the um, I like this match because I thought this was an effective use of the Big Show, which this is how you can use him and hide, oh, I, yeah, play to his strengths, hide his weaknesses. He gets to take most of the match off, you know. And when he comes in the ring, he's effective. He's a monster. Yeah. And then he's put back in his place. Now, you're right. The ending stunk. I mean, that – and the the fact that it, Angle gets pinned, yeah. you know. But he needed some reason to be angry to come back later in the night, so. I had forgotten completely about the Bashams. Just wanted to Oh, yes. Part of JBL's cabinet. I forgot about most of JBL's cabinet. The, none of these who, guys. Who was, who was the... Uh, Luther Reigns. Yeah, but who was the woman? Yeah, Luther Reigns. You had the Bashams, Orlando Jordan. My opinion, no offense, Orlando Jordan's most known for wrestling the Ultimate Warriors last match. That's the only thing he's, I, he's I remember. He's what? He's most known for wrestling... Oh, he was in that match the, in Australia? The Ultimate Warriors last match, yeah. That, that was really the only thing that I remember of Orlando Jordan, which is sad. I feel bad for saying so, but... Wow, that's crazy. She was... What's her name? She... Blink and you would miss her. Her name was... She just went by her regular name. Amy Weber. Or Weber. W-E-B-E-R. See, that name sounds familiar. She was a Diva Search contestant. There you go. So she became JBL's image consultant... And she feuded with Joy Giovanni, who was, I don't know. She is now an actress, it says. Amy Weber resigned in February because she was being harassed by the wrestlers. I wonder who. She later stated she wasn't happy with the pay and the frat house-like environment. That's what she said about her departure, but on screen, JBL stated she was fired for firing a sleeping dart at him while he was playing with an inflatable dinosaur. The dart was actually intended for the big show. So that is how she is written off shortly hereafter. So blink and you miss Amy Weber. Amy Weber says she's an American actress. She was most recently has been in... Nothing. The Pumpkin Carver... Yeah, these are... A lot of B-rated and C-rated Holly Shore is Dead, which I did see. I remember her now. I could not think of her name, though. So thank you for looking that up. I greatly appreciate it. I don't remember. Like, this is not a time when I really watched wrestling. Her wrestling career did not last very long. I don't even think she actually had a match. She basically just was... No, she feuded with that Joy Giovanni for a minute. and then uh... Yeah, but that's like saying the same thing we watched on Taboo Tuesday between the the laundry pillow fight is a real match. She was gone so quickly, yeah, there was no chance to do. They weren't hired for their wrestling ability. Exactly. Anyway. I mean, you take one look at this woman. She's not <laughs> she's not she's no Kurt Angle in the ring. 
So here we go. So that's I actually enjoyed the match because I thought they made a good use of the big show. Hey, the finish, the finish I understood because, you know, someone's got to lose at WrestleMania. You know, I mean, there's, you know, there's clearly you're not going to have Kurt Angle lose to John Cena at WrestleMania, you know, because they're both. Well, this was this was Angle and Sean, wasn't it? Yeah, that was what they built. To. That's we'll what get I was there thinking. in a minute. Kurt's last WrestleMania. Was it? Hold on. No, he did 22. Yeah. He was there for 22. 22 was his last. Or maybe he was hurt. I don't remember. So, there you go. So we go backstage. Batista is walking. That's what he does. He walks alone. Carlito tries to get a petition to oust Teddy Long. And is like, hey, Batista, I know you're on Raw, but why don't you sign this? I, I, I love this. And Batista's like, I'm not signing that. And so Carlito tunes up his band by eating his apple. Yeah. And I love his answer. Did you see what I did last week to that tree? And then swallows the apple instead of (laughs) spitting it at (laughs) Batista. So everyone is scared of Batista. Deacon Batista has put Carlito in his place. He's culminating. Hey. Big man, Batista. Look at you, man. You're a monster. That's cool, man. You're cool. Yeah, check this out. This is cool. Why don't you sign my petition to get rid of Theodore Long as the general manager of SmackDown? Why don't you take this pen right here in your hand, man? Uh, I don't think so, man. Good luck with it, but I'm I'm not going to sign it. Oh, you're not going to sign it? No. Okay. What's wrong last week? Yeah. Did you see what I did with that flagpole? Yeah. Imagine what I could do with your little petition. Oh, just kidding, man. Just... Good luck with it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Take it easy. Carlito, by the way, who only showed up for this one segment. Yes. Well, he was injured. Actually, oh, okay. he did actually. <laughs> the the wrapped up shoulder was no joke. He actually did mess up his shoulder. I didn't notice anything. Yeah, he had he was injured at this point in time. So at least he's still working while injured. So Batista draws his number from the tumbler as Teddy and Eric say, "You know what? There's a lot of interference going on in uh, pro wrestling these days." And Bischoff says, "You know what? You're right. Tonight during Triple H's match." No evolution. Batista, why don't you tell Triple H the bad news? And we never see Batista deliver this message. But we just have to believe he did. Yeah. Because Triple H has no, like... See, I wanted to see... There's no moment in the match where he's like, come on, guys. No, and I wanted to see Triple H's sell job on when he tells him, oh, hey, by the way, we can't come to ringside. Well, I think the whole point is that he doesn't tell him, and so on Raw, he says, hey, where were you guys, you know? Yeah. But... It would have been nice if during the match he needed their help. Because guess what, guys? Triple H didn't need their fucking help. He has his... His trusty sledgehammer is the only friend he needs in this world. Unless so, it stings baseball bat and it breaks it in half. Oh, God. Saws it right down the middle. But still use the blunt end to win the match. Yeah. <laughs> Not even breaking a broken hammer is still... Better than whatever weapon you brought. Right. If it's in Triple H's hand, it is instantly better than anything you have. You know why? Because he's the game. He's the king of kings. He's the king of kings. 
This is Randy Orton's, finally, we've gotten here, his rematch for the, well, this is Orton's, finally, he's getting a crack at the title since losing it to Triple H. So Okay, so he wanted it SummerSlam. Yes. The year before. He lost it at... Randy Orton's first title run lasted all of one month as he lost it at Unforgiven 2004 because the night after SummerSlam, he lost Evolution. The old thumbs down and Batista did the electric chair drop as yes. they were lifting him for what he thought was a celebration. Yeah. I mean, they had helped him win the title. But it was all for a scheme just so Triple H could get his precious belt back. Well, yeah. Orton demanded a rematch for the title on Raw. He has to wrestle for it, so he has to wrestle Batista for it. Yeah, so he has to wrestle Batista for this opportunity on Raw. Triple H offers Batista a chair, which distracts Batista and causes Batista to lose the number one contenders match. So some dissension amongst the remaining Evolution members already. Some cracks are forming. I'm not sure this is going to last. I don't think it's going to either. So, Randy Orton got the win. Fink. The Fink is somehow the ring announcer now. I don't How? know why. Because just like WrestleMania, you can't have a Royal Rumble without Finkel. Even though they have. Well, recently, yes. Triple H has won the belt third all-time already in 2005. Second only, no, third only to Hogan and Flair. This is unbelievable stuff. In 2005, he was already at this... At this. Oh, he passed Hogan up in like 2010. Well, now he's he's only third to the tie between Cena and Flair. Yeah. So I think you're going to have a showdown when they're both tied. Because, I mean, I think Triple H has two more runs left in him. And he's going to be tied with Cena and we're going to get... The, he's going to be the first 17. The final one. The fi- Make Ric Flair be the ref. Randy hits a big back body drop to Triple H and tries for an RKO immediately right out of the gate. But Triple H rolls out of the ring. Randy hits a nice drop kick. A beautiful arching drop kick once they get back in the ring. H gets a few corner punches on Orton before Orton drops the... Face first into a turnbuckle like a snake eyes. Triple H throws Randy out of the ring off of an RKO counter. That's how he countered it. He just shoved him I right out of the that. ring. I love that. As Triple H is getting up, he he's on one side of the ring, and he just takes this running leap, and he's getting ready to RKO him. And Triple H just carries him aside. He carries, he carries his momentum with him and just carries him up and drops him over the top rope. It was really... It was actually very cool. It'd be a good way to finish Rumble. H goes into the steps and then mocks Randy Orton's pose. So it's a night of mocking poses as well. Randy gets back in the ring. They exchange strikes until H chop blocks Randy on his, oh, his bad leg from Raw. He throws it into the ring post and delivers another chop block, then stomps his leg with the ropes, throws his knee into the mat, etc. So this is the second pay-per-view in a row where Triple H keeps getting opponents with bad legs. This is very coincidental how this keeps happening for this man triple h slaps on a figure four and smacks orton as he's got it locked in triple h brings him back to the center of the ring and it doesn't look good for randy but randy reverses the pressure and triple h makes it to the ropes randy kicks h out of the ring after reversing the pressure and h goes flying over the spanish announce table on his own he took he bumped himself over the Spanish announce table, which was pretty funny. He hits his signature backbreaker on Triple H once he gets back in the ring, then lights Triple H up with strikes, and then Orton hits a swinging neckbreaker for two, and then another neckbreaker for a two count. 
We get a power slam for two on Triple H. An inverted atomic drop slows Orton down because H hits it from the second rope. Ouch. Triple H goes up to the top turnbuckle, which he never does. And so this is his homage to Mr. Ric Flair. And Randy goes and slams him down off the top turnbuckle. I hate it when they... Ric Flair can do this, but no one else is allowed to do this spot. If you're not used to going up to the top rope and you don't plan to do anything, yeah. you shouldn't be up there. Yeah. Orton hits a top turnbuckle cross for a two count, just like Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. H hits the knee to the face, then tries a pedigree, but gets catapulted into the turnbuckle. Randy tries an RKO, but Triple H throws him to the turnbuckle, so he has dodged this maneuver three times already. This maneuver that no one seems to escape anymore. Triple H has already blocked it three times. Triple H hits his high knee for a two count. Orton now has a busted lip. Triple H tries a pedigree, but Randy counters it with a clothesline. Orton lands some more strikes to H in a corner. Orton punches Triple H in the corner, and H will stagger and want to fall forward, but Orton just shoves him back and punches him again. He will not let H fall to the ground. Orton tries a DDT, but Triple H somehow wakes up and throws him down with the help of the ropes. Orton... In a storyline they will never do in today's WWE, is selling a concussion. Earl Hebner tells Randy he'll count him out if he can't get in the ring, um, but he wasn't counting anyway, so this is really weird, this discussion they had. Earl is checking Orton when they come back into the ring, and Triple H slams Randy Orton into Earl Hebner. And now the ref is down, and Triple H goes ringside and finds the sledgehammer. Which was conveniently placed under the ring. I guess Triple H helped set up the ring with the crew, and no one seemed to care that he was putting a hammer under there. Orton slings Triple H into the ring post face first as he goes for his sledgehammer shot on the outside of the ring. Orton thinks about using the sledgehammer on Triple H, but of course, you can't touch that. H clotheslines him before he can, so now he's concussed even more. Triple H throws the hammer outside as Earl Hebner limps to his feet and pedigrees Randy Orton. One, two, three. So after all this rebuilding work for Randy Orton, the big win over Flair, the win over Batista, the good showing in the Elimination Chamber, he loses the big match, misses all his finishers, and he's concussed. So all of that work... For nothing. For absolutely fuck nothing. This was a fine match. Don't have any problems with it. These two guys work a very similar style in that they don't. There's nothing real flashy about these guys. They're solid. They don't botch, but they can be boring. And most Triple H matches, I have to find a proper opponent. And I don't think Randy Orton's that guy. And uh, Randy Orton, Triple H would not give Randy Orton anything in this match, as far as an RKO, a sledgehammer shot, anything. Nothing. He gave him nothing in this match. As for this pay-per-view as a whole so far. It's very disappointing conclusions to storylines. Yes. For long-term storylines. And for a big four, this is not looking good. Well, there's one match to go to redeem and, and, it all. And the uh, the it's pretty bad when the first match... Even as bad of a finish as it was, it's still the best match of the night so far. Heading into the into the main event. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not like the first match. These were those were not ordinary performers in the first. Those are not true. You know, um, but I mean, you had caliber main event caliber matches all the way through so far. Oh yeah, the stars. This roster was stacked. Yeah. Um, 
Now, the Rumble had a lot of filler in it, like with members of the cabinet and stuff, but overall, this is a very strong roster in 2005. And so for this... And it would become even better the bigger these stars got. Like, right. The stars in making. So for this to have been as shitty of a, as a, of a start as it's been kind of had me a little worried about what we were getting into in the Rumble. And guess what? Ladies and gentlemen, it didn't disappoint. Yeah. <laughs> it still gets shittier. Well, I just... I just hate that these storylines end inconclusively, basically. Well, yeah. I mean, the Triple H one, that's definitive. I mean, it's yeah. it's over. Yeah. Like it's done. I mean, imagine watching this product and you know, this feud with Randy Orton had been going on since SummerSlam. So you've already been through Survivor Series. Now you're in January. So you went from August to January. You went a full uh five months. Of this feud, and this is the end result. Kind of sucks. Yeah. And Randy Orton, turns out, would be just fine. You know, it didn't do any long-term damage to him to fall victim to Triple H, unlike some of the other casualties of this era, but uh, not, not a good way to win. And by the way, yeah, the evolution interference thing never came up. No. Not, not a single time. Never did he wave. Never did he look around like, where are my guys? Never was he in trouble to where he might need them. No! Didn't even get RKO'd. So, the fact that you even did the segment about, oh, well, you can't go to ringside. Well, fuck! At least sell it like you might need him to, you yeah. know? In fact, he beat the guy so bad he couldn't cuss the other guy. Yeah. And then, so it makes him look even... It, it makes him look like a whiny... A whiny heel on Raw if he, if he comes out the next night, which I'm sure he did, and say, hey, where were you guys? Yeah. Because he didn't need them. He's just whining to whine. Yeah. All right. So Nunzio is walking backstage, and Kurt Angle decides Who to- Who is pissed, by the way. <laughs> he felt the same way about the match that you did. Uh, he walks up to Nunzio, and he gently steals his number. And Nunzio's like, hey, I want that back. But then- Kurt Angle just sort of stares at him. Oh, he's, he's Angle is he huffing is, and puffing. He is shaking. He is huffing and puffing. He is pouring sweat, like he is flat out pissed. And I, Nunzio was right to just be like, "No, nah, it's good. You you take it." Going back to what I was talking about before we started recording. Now it's Ric Flair got his number back. Right. Nunzio should have walked right into that office. And said, I want my number back from Kurt Angle. Teddy Long, please go get it from Kurt Angle. I would love to see that. Yeah, I think he <laughs> he deserves it. This is going to be perfect. Hey, Kurt, what the hell do you think you're doing? That's my number for the Rumble. Not anymore. Unless you want to fight for it. Come on. And there was one guy in this Rumble that didn't... He deserves a spot, too. He's still technically active, you know, in this Rumble. He never was eliminated. He never got in. It's true. He's got the longest streak of being in a rumble, I think. It's true. He's probably been in one since then, though. But anyway. A lot longer than... Uh, oh, our boy Curtis Axel. Yeah. yeah. Who, who went a full year without getting eliminated. Yeah. So we go back to the GMs, who have no knowledge of what just happened in the hallway. None whatsoever. Even though we saw it. Yes. Which, they, they go back and forth whether... They want you to believe that the wrestlers can see what happens, and they don't. They can always go back and forth on that, just like anything. The rules can always be changed. Teddy says, hey, Eric, I've got an idea, but I don't want to talk about it right now. 
And then all of a sudden, JBL's cabinet busts in with him. He's got his title belt, and he's got the champagne. He's getting showered in champagne. JBL is just thrilled. He says Eric's a great guy. Anytime he wants to hang out, he's good with him. And he says to Teddy, yeah, hey, yeah, great. I did great. All right. (laughs) And then Teddy says, hey, I got something to tell you. And JBL's like, ah, I don't want to talk about it tonight. I'm just partying tonight. I'm having a good time. Yeah. And Teddy says, no, we are going to talk about it tonight. It's about your opponent and No Way Out. And he says, No Way Out? That's the next damn pay-per-view. I don't want to talk about That's that. That's a month away. And he says, well, I'm going to tell you who your opponent is. It's Big Show. Which JBL's like, I don't give a damn about Big Show. Which just buries the idea of this oh, match. Yeah. Like, just this dude laughs it off. Yeah. Like, JBL doesn't care. Uh, but guess what? Not only is it going to be the Big Show. is The largest athlete in the world. Yes. But it's going to be a barbed wire steel cage match. Oh, to prevent interference, like Eric and Teddy were dis- discussing earlier. Will it prevent interference? We'll just have to see for another day. Spoiler alert, I don't see Big Show headlining WrestleMania 21, so... I can't wait for that. WWE title match. I'm not even sober after this one yet. Let me sober up first, player. Let's talk about SmackDown. Hey, hold on a minute, player. A little Let's talk about SmackDown's next pay-per-view. No way out. Why don't we talk about it tomorrow? I got a little drink. No, we're going to talk about it tonight. I got an escort service to call tonight. Well, what's going to happen at No Way Out, you will face the man that you did not Ooh. pin tonight. The Big Show. What's he gonna do? Eat me? What's he gonna do? I don't care if he's being one of the Jurassic Age, the Triassic Age, or the Chevy Classic Age. I'm gonna beat Big Show like he's gonna eat a pizza. Hey. <laughs> I'm the greatest the ever. I am the greatest. I'm a wrestling god. I've got one other thing to tell you, player. Hey, I've got one other thing to say to you. I'm a wrestling god. Like tonight, there will be no outside interference at No Way Out. Well, it wasn't tonight either. We don't need it. Because for the first time in the history of the WWE, this match will be a Bob Wire Steel Cage match. How about that, player? There you go. Taz and Cole have been moved to the Raw table, the big boys table, the adult table. They've been moved to. But Cole... 
is dismissed from yes. the big boys' table. Yeah. As is Jerry Lawler, though. So I know I really kind of wanted to hear Kings. The future SmackDown couple of Taz and JR. This had me thinking that King was going to be in that the Rumble. Were, oh, okay. Oh, I thought you were saying you were, this had you thinking they were going to switch announce teams on the shows, which I thought that's what it made me think of. It's yeah, like, they're was, just I, trying out different pairings. That's what I really think it was. But I mean, this honestly had me thinking though that okay, well they're moving. King's going to be part of the Rumble, and I started like getting pumped. I was like, "Hell yeah, dude! King's going to be in the Rumble. I'm I'm getting I'm getting excited." Fink tells us the rules. You know the rules. Eddie Guerrero is out number one in his low rider. This is why he was so upset about his number and wanted to trade it with Ric Flair. And even though he was smart enough to steal it off Ric Flair, he couldn't keep it like Kurt Angle yeah. did. Yeah. So Chris Benoit is out number two. Eddie shoulder blocks Benoit. And then the countdown is on. Daniel Pewter. <laughs> yes. Tough enough winner. Yes. Daniel Pewter. That's who it is. Well, now He's about to get a wake-up call. For those who don't know Daniel Pewter... He uh, he had a little bit of a MMA background, right? Oh, he was in kickboxing. Okay. Oh, and yeah, he did do some MMA, but that's what I was thinking. Yeah, and it was after this, so yeah, you're that's what absolutely I right. That's what he's I thought. undefeated in MMA, by the way. That's what I thought. So yeah, he wins tough enough. He wins the opportunity to be in the Royal Rumble. He won the million dollar season of Tough Enough. Yes, which was a contract where a million dollars would be spread out over the contract. It yes. was not a million dollars. Okay, go ahead. So he walks out. He's all pumped. He, instead of getting in the ring, being a part of the Rumble like he's supposed to, he walks around and gets a microphone and proceeds to start running his mouth about how he was going to win and how all these other guys couldn't compare to him. And he was going to show everybody just what he was capable of. And he's going to be the first ever tough enough winner to win the Royal Rumble. Here it is. You have Eddie Groh and Chris Benoit in the ring. If it was me, I would have slid in, found a corner, sat back, and just bide my time. No, he poked and prodded until he pissed them off and they just turned on him. So, yes, what is about to happen to Daniel Pewter he deserved every ounce of it. It's not from this, though. It's not from the promo. This is a an example of bullying. This is an example of locker room bullshit. This is an example of the locker room strong guys are going to teach the new guy a fucking lesson because, oh, you did something so bad. Okay, so Daniel Pewter, on the November 4th, 2004 episode of SmackDown, there was an unscripted segment of Tough Enough shot in the ring. Kurt Angle was in there, and he said, Hey, let's do a squat thrust competition. And whoever wins gets to do a shoot match against Angle. Chris Naraki won the competition and won the shoot fight. But Angle took him down and broke the kid's ribs and made him submit with a neck crank. So after he beats him, he says, Who else wants some? Any one of you other guys? And Daniel Pewter says... I'll give it a go. So Daniel Pewter and Angle, Angle shoots in, and after Angle takes Pewter down, Pewter locks in a Kimura lock. Yes. And with Angle in this Kimura lock, he is fucked. 
He yeah. is going to get his arm broken. Yes. Kurt Angle is. Yes. So quickly, Angle puts him in a pinning situation with his shoulders he, not on the mat. He basically, what he does is, the Kimura lock, Peter's shoulders are down on the mat, but Angle goes ahead and presses with his legs to leverage a little bit more and has the referees count a very fast... Yes. Jimmy Corderas was the ref. and Very fast, fast three count. And in fact, he bridged it too. Yes. And this was not going to fly in this locker room full of fucking juiced up bullies. Now, you don't shoot on a main eventer, first of all. You don't shoot. But they period. asked him to. You See, this is what's wrong. This is what's wrong is he asked him. Kurt Angle had just beaten the shit out of one of he them. He needed to know his place, and he didn't. If he didn't know his place, he needed to learn it, and no, they were going to teach it to this him. This is not proper education. This is not mil- that's bullshit, man. That is just bullshit. That in no other industry, and in no, not even in an MMA camp, would this be tolerated. And if it is. They're going to go out of business quickly because everyone's going to be like, don't work for them. They're a bunch of fucking assholes. And so this is just bullshit. And so anyway. Oh, I loved every second of this. So anyway, this this could have been even done in the... It probably was done in the locker room as well. But instead, they decided to make this... Put this on TV. Yes. Have this poor child, basically, be beaten down by these three juiced up... To one guy, of which would later commit a double murder-suicide uh, from all his head trauma, uh, beat the shit out of him. Right there on TV, right there on for the pay-per-view audience. With, By the way, Eddie and Benoit were fighting with each other prior to him entering the ring. They had, yeah. So they had just stopped and said, you know what, instead That's we're just... That's what I'm saying. I, if I was him, I would have just slipped right under the bottom rope, found me a nice little corner to, to sit down in... And let them two keep fighting. I would not have poked the bears by grabbing the microphone and start trash talking. Well, they, I mean, they probably told him to. He's just doing what he did. I mean, yeah, and shoot, and shoot, you wouldn't even go in there with those guys because you know that they're, what the, what's about to happen to you. Yeah. Benoit and Eddie chopped the shit out of this kid. They are taking turns. And I'm literally talking about, oh, you think that one was better? Let me show you this one. Smack! Oh, you think that one was better? Let me—I can one up you on that one. Yeah, smack! And this is not a human being. We just—they literally. This poor kid was getting flat out chopped to the point I started thinking his heart may stop. They double suplex him. Benoit nearly dumps him neck first. Wonderful oh, on a the, back suplex. Yeah, belly to back suplex. Then he gets three amigos from Eddie. And oh great, the clock ticks down, and this fucking asshole. To none other than one of my favorites, Hardcore Holly. Yeah, he's not a favorite. He's a jerk. And he is he was a tough enough trainer and beat the kids up too. So he is only in here for this one job. He's in at number four. So he joins in on the hazing. He chops uh, Daniel Pewter, and then Benoit Eddie start chopping him again. And I just said this is gross as Sparky Plug kicks. Daniel Pewter square in the balls, <laughs> full blast, full and blast. then nasty Alabama slams this kid. Oh, dude, his head bounced like a soccer ball off the mat with then, that Alabama slam. Thankfully, Holly chucks him out of the ring. There is some mercy in this world. But then Benoit and Eddie chuck hardcore Holly out of the ring. So he was only in this match to do this one thing. Oh, he fucked him up. Oh, I know. He did what he wanted to do. Because when he was laying some forearms in, like I was telling you before we went on the air, 
He laid some forearms in. Disgusting. <laughs> Terrible stuff. Never want to see that again. Hurricane Helms is out at number five. Eddie and Benoit team up for a second, but then Eddie, oh, he lies, he cheats, he steals. He tries to eliminate Benoit, and so the partnership is broken up for a second. This allows Hurricane to hit the blockbuster on Eddie from the top turnbuckle, which is, don't do that in the Royal Rumble. Don't get on the top turnbuckle, as we'll find out later. Benoit whips Helms to Eddie, who just back body drops him out. Number six is Kenzo Suzuki, the bronze warrior. Benoit and Eddie team up again on Kenzo. Benoit tries to eliminate Eddie, but he hangs on. Edge is out at number seven. Edge runs wild, spears to everybody, nearly eliminates Eddie. Number eight is Rey Mysterio. Now Rey runs wild. He Hurricane Rana's Kenzo Suzuki right out of the match, so nice knowing you. Eddie hits a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker to slow Rey down for the moment. Number nine is Shelton Benjamin without his mama. Benjamin backbody drops Eddie and then goes after Edge. Rey is nearly eliminated by Benoit, but then Eddie sneaks up behind them and tries to dump both of them out. He is unsuccessful. Rey chop blocks Shelton Benjamin, and and for some reason, Rey Mysterio saves Edge from elimination, which was odd. Benoit nearly suplexes Eddie out of the ring, but Eddie survives again. Booker T is out at number 10. He spin kicks Edge upon entry. Bischoff is now ringside for some reason. Y2J is here at number 11. Jericho takes Benjamin and Edge down. The ring is very full now, all of a sudden. Teddy Long now appears ringside, so both GMs are out. Luther Reigns is out at number 12, not related to Roman. Everyone stands around now. They're in their show lineups here. We have divided ourselves in Raw and SmackDown. And despite this being one man for himself, they have decided to team up. And it's gang warfare. As Raw fights SmackDown, they start brawling. While it's a cool spot, it makes absolutely no sense for this match. What's more important, every man for himself or defending your brand? (laughs) Well, you love those red and blue shirts. You know, you get... If you're really a fan of one of those colors, I guess you want to fight for it. Shelton nearly gets eliminated in this brawl but survives. Muhammad Hassan is out at number 13. Okay, whoa, you want to talk about bullying. This isn't bullying, though, because they didn't hurt this guy. Dude, they didn't hurt him. They hurt his character because he looked like an asshole. (laughs) But it's, and I mean, it was scary. I thought they, when they were chucking him out, it looked scary, like... Yeah, I really thought he was going to land neck first for a second. But he he got his feet under him. They did fine. But it wasn't an actual, like, they didn't fucking demolish this guy like Daniel Pewter. I loved this, though. This was stupid. Because there's fucking Canadians in the ring. It it just made him look, it made everybody look racist, though. Yes. (laughs) It really did. It does. This is a weird, and this is 2005. It's not like 2002. It's like not right after 9-11, you know? It's like. Well, later on this year, Two months later at WrestleMania, Hogan was going to have his spot with uh, with Hassan. So Hassan was on to bigger and better things. But he gets into the ring. USA chance breakout. With this his, ring full of Canadians and others. Ma- makes his giant pose to the heavens. Yeah, instead of brawling, and which is what you should do. Everyone circles around him. And all at once, they all gang up on him because he is, is Muslim, Muslim or Arab. Yeah, and and they they beat the shit out of him. They all hoist him up, carry him 
to the uh, closest corner or closest side of the ring to the hard camera. Well, and... first they let Rey Mysterio hit a six one nine. Oh, that's right. Yes. Then they all pick him up and chuck him out of and the chuck ring. him out of the ring, which I really thought he's gonna land on his his head and neck. He looked very scared to it be looked, taking that bump. It but... looked really bad, but he got his feet under him just in just he was in fine the nick of time, and he was fine. It was a great, but it it was just it was very <laughs> hilarious. Because I was I very knew, racist. I knew me and you were going to have this argument because I was like, you know, he's going to bitch about Daniel Peter, but yet I'm going to bitch about Hassan because it's the same it's fucking thing. It's not the same thing. There's a difference between really getting beat up and being fake beat up. Having your character destroyed is That's true. Having your wrestling persona destroyed is better than having dudes chop the shit out of your fucking chest, man. They, man, his chest. And kick you in the balls. I mean, Peter's, yeah. Peter's chest look. I mean, blood red. I really was afraid for his health. Number 14 is Orlando Jordan. He goes after Luther Reigns, who was in his stable with him. So the uh, there's dysfunction in JBL's cabinet. Shelton Benjamin works on eliminating Jericho, but is unsuccessful. Scotty Tuhati is returning from injury at number 15. But Muhammad Hassan, this is how they gave him his heat back. To get the jump on Scotty Tuhati. He stops Scotty, puts him in the camel clutch, and Scotty is prevented from entering the Royal Rumble match. So there's only actually 29 people That's right. in this match. Shelton uh, dumps Edge out, but only one foot hits the ground and he comes back in. Charlie Haas... Charlie Haas comes in next. ...is out in number 16. Luther Reigns is clotheslined out by Booker. Then he throws Orlando Jordan out, too, and then does a spinneroni to celebrate. Don't do that, you dummy. Eddie Guerrero pulls the rope down, and Booker goes flying over the ropes... And is gone from a spinneroony. Yes. Rene Dupree is number 17 at 19 years old. Rey Mysterio gets a T bone suplex from Shelton. Shelton and Charlie Haas have a brief reunion of Team Angle for a minute. The world's greatest tag team. Shelton jumps to the top turnbuckle, does his full leap. He can make it in one jump. Why did he do this? To get thrown out by Edge. <laughs> so stupid. Trying top turn, especially if it's not the you're not the last two people in the yeah. match. No, oh. nope. So he's gone. Your intercontinental champion is eliminated. Simon Dean is out at number nineteen, and he isn't interested in getting in the match. Instead, he wants to put on his weight belt, his aerobics belt on, and puts his little his little iPod earpieces in. And he wants to do some warming up. Yeah, he's doing some squats. He's getting warmed up. He's he's going to be safe. He wants to be safe before he, he gets in He doesn't want to tear a quad exactly. or anything. Exactly. We'll find out about that later on. And so uh, Simon Dean then eventually gets into the ring. He but does. But not before none other than the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, enters the ring. Prior to Sean coming out, Edge eliminates Eddie to booze. He was way over here and probably could have won this thing, was probably a favorite to win. Simon has now entered the ring since Sean has come into the ring, and Sean immediately dumps him out. And the crowd chants for Eddie as he walks up the ramp. So this crowd was in love with Eddie Guerrero. Sean then dumps out Charlie Haas. Kurt Angle is in at number 20. It's like this thing is scripted. <laughs> he Germans Benoit, overhead suplexes Ray, belly to bellies Jericho, Olympic slams Edge, Olympic slams Dupree, ankle lock attempt to Sean, but Sean gets out of it and super kicks Angle right out of the ring to Angle's 
bewilderment. This man is fuming, furious that he got knocked out of the ring. And so he is eliminated and had a great little sequence and is immediately super kicked. It's a scary moment to see him laying there, and that's why they took the cameras off for a second. But then he, he got up, and he was proceeded to, to get angry, obviously. And so, But next, entering the biggest the ring, superstar of them all. The winner of the Royal Rumble. This is my pick right here. Jonathan Coachman. And if you don't know who he is, just look at his ass, because he's got it right on there. Coach. Coach. Is in at number 21. He goes after Benoit for some reason and then goes into the corner to get beat up by Benoit. Yes. It was one of the dumbest. Yes. He sneaks in under the ropes and hits a forearm to the back of Benoit, then runs like a chicken shit to the other corner and hides. But Benoit immediately knows who did it. There's no one else that could have done it. Right. And so he goes and gets stomped by Benoit. See, that. back to Daniel Pewter. Don't poke the bear. Jericho tries to eliminate Ray, but Ray, Hurricane Rana's him over, but just to the apron. Mark Jindrak, your boy from the draft lottery, is out at number 22. Kurt Angle gets in illegally and dumps Sean out, even though he's allegedly unable to do this. He dumps Sean out, and it counts for some reason. But even if it didn't count, he's going to make sure Sean doesn't get back in. Yeah. Because he smashes Sean with the steps, and now Sean is bleeding. He ankle locks him on the steps. And finally, the man who saved Sean's life, Dave Finley. Fit Finley, he's a road agent, wrestles Angle away and saves Sean Michaels. So I guess we're getting Finley and Angle at WrestleMania is my prediction here. Finley and Angle? Yeah. yeah okay. I would love to see that. Angle, Angle yells, your ass is mine, as he's escorted away. Big Daddy V is out at number 23. Ray is nearly eliminated as Big Daddy V makes his entrance. JR tells the story of Yokozuna winning the Rumble and winning the belt at Mania. He fails to mention him losing the belt immediately after winning it at that same Mania. <laughs> Paul London is in at number 24. Rene Dupre decides to do the French tickler strut, and Jericho just throws him over the top rope, and then does the French tickler better than Rene Dupree. Ray, Jindrak, and Jericho team up on Paul London, who survives. Basic Thugonomics John Cena is out to a huge reaction at number 25. Cena chants break out. No, seriously. People used to chant for John Cena. I know, right? Cena dumps out Big Daddy V with a back body drop. Then Ray Mysterio hits a Bronco Buster on Coach. Snitsky is out at 26. I said, I guess he lost Kane. We'll see. London tries a sleeper on Snitsky. That's a very stupid idea. So Snitsky just throws him over the top rope. He survives, but then he gets clotheslined to the floor, and he is eliminated. Cena and Snitsky stare each other down for no reaction. Cena goes for an FU, but Snitsky big boots him. Kane is here at 27. This feels like it's scripted or something, Kane being in right after Snitsky. Just luck of the draw. Snitsky and Kane go at it for a second before Kane choke slams everybody in the ring. Kane dumps out Jindrak and Coach says, You know what? This is my time. This is my moment. I'm going to fight Kane. But Kane takes him by the throat. And Snitsky saves Coachman. Pump handle slam to Kane from Snitsky. 28, it's the animal Batista. Batista clotheslines Snitsky over the rope and eliminates him. Kane and Batista then throw hands. Batista chants break out. Batista bomb to Kane. 
Batista then catches Jericho and press slams him over to eliminate him. Batista throws Edge over, but Edge survives. 29 is Christian for his peeps, which means that the surprise for 30 is gone. It's Ric Flair. 619 to Kane from Ray. Cena FUs Kane right out of the ring. So now Ray and Cena are buddies and they fire each other up. Yeah, man, you do it. No, you do it. Flair is indeed number 30. High fives Batista, and now Flair goes after Coach. I guess this is who they thought Flair was best paired with, Jonathan Coachman. A spine buster from Batista to Coach, and Flair gets to eliminate Coach. Thanks, pal. He goes over then to... uh, Christian. Christian. And presses him out of the ring. Yep. Then Benoit lights Flair up, his old four horsemen pal. And they go at it for a second. Lights up Flair. Receives a spine buster as well. And Flair gets to eliminate last year's winner, Chris Benoit. And his former four horsemen. His old protege, his new protege eliminates his old. Yeah. Helps him. Batista is almost double-crossed by Flair. He catches the dirtiest player in the game trying to sneakily eliminate Batista. But Edge and Ray then save Flair from Big Dave by attacking him. Edge tosses Flair out, so he's gone. So your final four, Ray, Batista, Edge, and Cena. Spear to Batista, Spear to Cena. Spear is leapfrogged by Ray, who lands a 619. A springboard Hurricane Rana misses, but Ray goes over the ropes and then is speared off the apron by Edge and is eliminated. Cena and Batista eliminate Edge together. Now Cena and Batista are staring down, and the crowd is super hot for this. Big strike exchanges. Cena goes for an FU, but Batista grabs the ropes. And then it happens. Batista goes for the Batista bomb. The, he the, stumbles backwards. The leverage and the momentum to whip him up for that Batista bomb carries him so far backwards that they both flip over the top rope and they both hit the ground at the exact same time. Well... That's what they would have you believe, that they hit the ground at the same time. But I believe Batista hit the ground first, which is why they needed to redo the finish. <laughs> and A very, very, very pissed off Vince McMahon. Hold on. We have to get there first. Okay. Hold on. Now, this is a great cover by the referees. Jimmy Corderas has talked about this before. So Jimmy Corderas gets the call in the earpiece and says, raise the SmackDown guy's hands to your SmackDown ref. Yeah. And the Raw guy is already raising Batista's hand, so now we've got brand warfare. Yeah. Now, Teddy and Bischoff were too far away to be summoned to the ring, so they had to scramble here. And the man sitting at Gorilla is Vince McMahon. So there's only one man to save the day. <laughs> and he comes out there. He is pissed. He's pissed. Well, he wants to show that he's pissed, he but re- he's committed to that McMahon walk. He's not going to walk like a normal human being. He rips that jacket off, though, and throws that shit on the ground. And he's madder than hell. And he takes this running start of, like, three steps and goes head first to slide in under the bottom rope. He does. Yes. But as he is approaching the apron, as he hits the ring, yes, he blows out one quad. Yes. Now, he doesn't realize... That he's done this because the momentum, he's so mad about this finish and he needs to fix it because time is ticking. The pay per view feed might cut off. They don't want a Halloween Havoc 98. He goes to stand up. He goes to stand up on his good leg. He tears the other quad. <laughs> and then 
He collapses. He is completely fucked. He he lays there. He sits there. Sits there in the ring. Crosses his arms and looks like. Propped up against the bottom two ropes. And looks like, what the fuck just happened? And what do I do? And this looks so odd. And is just totally lost. The refs then come over to Yeah, Charles Robinson comes over and, and, and Vince and, probably tells him, I'm totally fucked here. Yeah. And, he, uh, which he does because after you get the word to restart the match, you see Charles helping him out of the ring. Now, you see him you see him help him out of the ring, but I read some message boards with people that were in the arena. He walked out. He really? refused assistance. Really? He on his torn quads he might have had some assistance, but instead of being carted or, you know, really? pushed in a wheelchair, this dumbass walked on his torn quads. Because wow. I've got great fruits. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm not going to ride to the back like a pussy. <laughs> so Fink has to give the order for the match to restart. And it's pretty simple here. Spinebuster and Batista hurls Cena over. Yeah. Prior to this, while they were still trying to figure out what was going on with Vince, uh, they had thrown each other over uh, in hopes that that would count. It doesn't count. The match was ordered to restart, which technically, if they wanted to restart, that means you have to start from number one, right, Patrick? That's what I was thinking. Uh, But that's it. Batista throws Cena out and over and wins the match, and, well... We don't see Vince on TV for a while. (laughs) Yeah, Stephanie had to... uh, it was like the first Raw Vince had missed, like, ever, I think, was the next night because he had to... He had to he fly. make it Yeah, yet. no, he literally had to fly to... Uh, Stephanie had to... To Alabama, to uh, Huntsville for... Uh, Dr. James Andrews. Had yeah, to, Dr. James Andrews to do knee, knee surgery on both knees. Well, so, quads. It was well. his quad, but... What'd you think of the match? Entertaining. Yeah. Entertaining. Uh, the the ending was quite hilarious. I enjoyed... Uh, I don't know if it saved the pay-per-view. However, it did lift it up to some degree. It's hilarious. The uh, the Vince, Vince is hilarious at the end. It's well worth watching just for that. I thought yes. it was a very good Royal Rumble. It wasn't. There weren't too many memorable spots. There were no legend returns, you know. There were, you know. No, but you got Daniel Peter getting his ass kicked. So. <laughs> great, a great memory. <laughs> and as we're pressed on time, I'm going to go ahead and ask you to rate this show on a scale of Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez. Where do you stack the 2005 Royal Rumble? Uh, I'm going to put it right there at a Rey Mysterio. That's bad. Yeah. You really didn't like it. No. I thought it was fine. Um, I wouldn't go much higher, but... However, Edge was the MVP. He entered number seven and lasted to the final four. Actually, Mysterio, I think, was in there the longest. Let me look at the stats real quick. I got my countdown here. Actually, the Iron Man of the match was Benoit. Lasted 47 minutes. Oh, okay. Edge, you're right. You're right. He came in at number seven, so he was there longer. Yes. He did 40 minutes, 19 seconds. And then Ray, who I thought last, that's next year. Yeah. The most eliminations, Edge and Batista had five eliminations. Chris Benoit had three. And there's a four-way tie with three. 
And so there you go. Well, Patrick, where are we going next week? I have to wrap this up. We are going to none other than one of my favorite Royal Rumbles and a very underrated Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble 2000, Madison Square Garden. We are going to see one of Mick Foley's greatest matches, in my opinion. Okay. Against Triple H for the WWE. Oh, I don't want to watch this. Okay, that's fine. Title match. None other than Cactus Jack. So uh, that's where we're going next. So, All right, we'll see you then. Retro Wrestling Podcast on Facebook. Retro W Podcast on Twitter. I'm Intern Alex. I'm the one and only the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my closing line's a clothesline. Bingo, bango. He's going to try to slide up on the rope. Watch him. Oh. Oh, man. Oh. Boom. Both of them gone. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But look, at he's not even selling it, though. He's not even selling it. He's in so much pain, you blow your quads out. That's how strong that son of a bitch is, though. I mean, like, whoa. So the only thing he can tell him to do now is get on me. That was a serious injury. That was, yeah, I was there. That was, that was horrible. <laughs> I'm sorry. I remember I was right there. <laughs> he no-sells it. He's just doing the bionic. Bi- he went from doing the bionic walk, the banging his knees to, do, to doing the bionic sit-down. I think Vince is doing any juice. But don't even sell it. I mean, that's, that's classic Vince there, but that's awesome. <laughs> Look, everybody's thinking right now, oh, my God, is he working me? What the fuck is happening? The refs are like, what's going on? Everybody's like, what's going on? Vince is like, I can't believe this just happened. Tough and stubborn. Absolutely. Absolutely. <sighs> Such a rotten feeling. One's enough. <laughs> Horrible fucking botch, but I, what do you do? And I'm trying to think what, what I do. That would that would make me wake up in the middle of the night going, ah! When something like that happens, like what happened with Vince McMahon when he uh, ran into the ring and slid in and tore his quads, uh, the only thing you can do is ad lib and go, still go to what is planned, but fine tune it so you can still get to where the conclusion is supposed to go and play off what has happened to him. Guess you do a lot of ad-libbing, you know? I mean, I guess you just roll on your back and tell somebody to lay on top of you, right? He's obviously fucked. He's your boss. <laughs> I fucking, I, I would fucking quit calling. I'd grab somebody and fucking hoist him over the fucking rope and go over with him. <laughs> And 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 then you go down, you know, you 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 get down to him and ask him, you know, you all right? What'd you hurt or what'd you break? You know what I mean? And 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 then it ain't like you can stop and retake. So now they just gotta give you whatever's left. So if all y'all can do is stomp me, just stomp me, stomp me, stomp me, stomp me. Get down here and choke me. Tell him I'm fucking hurt. I'm hurting for real. And try to get out of it as easy as you can. Jesus Christ! I mean, live TV, live TV. I, I can only imagine it to, you know, uh, you know, the time I've, I've shit myself wrestling. You know, uh, you know, there was a time where I was wrestling Jason Knight in Detroit, and we're wrestling, good two minutes. He gives me a clothesline, land on my back, <laughs> shit myself. What do you do? You know, in my 
instance, I could carry on. But you blow off both fucking knees. You're, hey, I'm just going to sit here and yell at you.